0: On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are stepping inside Netflix's chambers, gazing up at the Beeb's looming tower, and finding out what's going down in Jamestown, referring, of course, to Sky's colonial drama, and not to this podcast, which is once again subjected to my presence after a Star Wars sabbatical last week. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Apologies for not being in your ears as we forayed back to Westeros last week, uh, although rest assured I will be making up for it This week. In fact, every week while Game of Thrones is on, as we're going to be doing a special segment at the end of the pod each week where we explore the latest episode in some detail. If you've yet to see the new episode of Game of Thrones, then do not panic. Uh, We do, of course, encourage you to skip it until you have, but it will be clearly signposted, so don't concern yourself. I wasn't here to bang on about Picard last week as Mm. I was rubbing shoulders with Ewoks and Stormtroopers to find out all manner of exciting Star Wars goodness uh, about both films and TV shows, but like the unexpectedly resurrected Emperor Palpatine, I have now returned to reimpose my reign of terror on an unsuspecting podcast, replacing Nick DeSemlin, aka Backup James. As is tradition, I am joined once again by my two colleagues. First up, Pilot TV's very own Yoda. He's bald, he's wise, and he sees everything. It's Boyd Hilton. Oh, how we missed you. <laughs> You, you did, didn't you? You and your top nerdishness. <laughs> uh, my nerdishness was among was among fellows when I was out there. Yeah, like, I, I, it it's, it's unusual for me to be in a room where I'm the person who knows the least about the Mandalorian. So that was uh, that was interesting.
1: Yeah, I very much enjoyed the picture of you and R2-D2
0: bonding. <laughs> yeah, bless yeah. him. Oh, yeah. He was what did sweet. he say to you? He said, well, I, I think he was swearing because it was all, all, all bleak tail. Right, okay. Yeah. Very good. Right, joining Boyd and myself is pilot supreme leader Snoke, She replaced the Emperor. She sounded a lot like the Emperor, but ultimately she was a poor imitation of the Emperor and got cut in half by Ryan Johnson. It's Terry White.
2: Hello. Oh, my God. Do you know what? We really did miss you. It was really strange because um, I was like, we're free from his awful control and toxic manipulation. And we've so... Missed you. It's a classic
0: abusive relationship, Terry. It See, is. that's what it is. You miss me when I'm not here.
2: It is. I was like, God, imagine a James Dyer <laughs> less life. Yeah. I do not want such no. a life.
0: Stockholm syndrome. are all imprisoned. Is, we're imprisoned yeah.
1: in the mind of James Dyer. It's somehow.
0: classic Stockholm syndrome, but in this case Dagobah syndrome. Oh,
2: um, <laughs> and we're off.
0: <laughs> oh how yeah. was your uh, how was your week in the captain's chair? Did you uh, did you enjoy it?
2: I didn't enjoy it as much as sitting here, being able to ignore you. I had to pay attention. Mm.
0: I was going to say, you presumably weren't able to look at your emails no. or drink your coffee or no. tit about on your phone. No. That must have been quite, quite a struggle. It was,
2: it was quite. The struggle was real and it gave me a appreciation for what you do.
0: I have to say, I listened to last week's podcast while wandering the convention floor at the Star Wars celebration and I very much enjoyed it, although and this is genuinely true, and I find this with Empire as well, when I listen to it when I'm not on the podcast, I find myself talking to the podcast wow like 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 saying things like boy stop getting the mandalorian wrong yeah. you know like i can't
2: for not- example yeah for
0: example Did you get all the mistakes all the mistakes like the errors
1: i got sansa stock uh, uh yes up. i yes. knew you'd get yes. be annoyed by that <laughs> oh, i knew it God, as yes. soon as i said it and then you know when you say something you know it's wrong <laughs> and that you can't be bothered to correct yourself and
0: the, the thing that's in the back of my mind is James is going to be furious the worst part of this I actually even know where I was when you Ugh. fucking said it because I was honest. in a cab going past yeah. the cloud gate in downtown <laughs> Chicago and I just remember going fuck psychopath yeah I get all the um, names wrong I can't that I was can't not that was who. not the only error there were a number there were a number of them and it, I was unable to Lean, Lena Headley
2: so let's, let's yeah, just one. let's that was just make one. it clear right that this is classic James so yeah. we go oh yeah. we've really missed you James James goes yes 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 it was really good yeah. apart from and yeah. then proceeds to list all the things you did wrong yeah. which he's definitely already slagged you off about on whatsapp yeah. so yes yeah. James, James thank you I, I take back <laughs> yeah. some yeah. of my missing <laughs> you <laughs> now Would you want to go
0: through a list of errors we made without you Funnily just, enough, boy, he I've, is I've, doing I've, I've this is what is happening I've prepared the following document uh, no that's not true oh, the, the thing that traumatised me most oh, about God. about oh, go. the God. podcast no no no. this is fair the thing mm. that traumatised me about is, is you mm. mentioning or pointing out the fact that is the first podcast I've missed and we've been doing it since last September, which by default means I've literally not taken a week off since last September. Yeah. And that is just a sorry indictment of my it's a disgrace. personal life.
2: I did point out that you had no life. Yeah, it's in true. In your absence.
0: I have nowhere else to be. I'm mm-hmm. back now. It's all good. Right. So should we talk about what we've been watching? Mm-hmm. I've watched an awful lot because I've been away and I did really nothing but sit in my hotel room and watch things.
2: What were you doing in your like hotel what? room?
0: I, well, well, funnily enough, why do not you
1: go? Tell us, tell well, us. Well, James. obviously,
0: obviously, I watched Game of Thrones live as it oh, yeah. as it yeah, played yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I won't talk about any spoilers. I know you did last last week, but I, yes, I enjoyed so we it were.
1: What, we were have? I was happy with it as an episode. Yes, um, I thought. Except, I thought, did find the dragon flying sequence. Yes. a bit pointless and terrible CGI moment. Mm. What was your? What did you think?
0: I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I get why people didn't like it. Not a lot happened, uh, and I think if you've only got six episodes, there's a point where really, are we not going to cover things? are we just gonna sit here but weirdly i'm gonna i'm gonna contradict that by saying i thought the, and i won 't say anything else there was a scene on a boat, yes. which I thought was horribly rushed uh, there, but I, I I understand what they tried to do. They thought these are characters who have been in the show for a long time the, there is a, this is a reunion episode. We are bringing disparate characters together, and we need to give that time to breathe. We need to revel in their reunion. so I guess that 's what they tried to do yeah I, um, I, I, I agree yeah. So. Did you
1: see there 's a whole piece on the internet about how they 're missing out the second acts of the storylines. Do you see that in piece? no I think it was in it was in one of the online um, like pop culture things. And yeah, basically said they're setting up the stories, and like, so for example, the boat, the thing, the rescue, the boat. They previous episode, he said he's going to do it, and then they literally just does it, and that's it. So there's no middle, (laughs) there's no second act in those storylines. And and while. I think that's right to some extent. To another extent, I think they kind of have to do that because there's so much left to, to get I, sorted I, out.
0: I felt in that particular sequence, they would like, here are characters that we need to tie off loose ends with, but equally, we're not going to use them again, so let's just pack them off somewhere and right. get that out the way. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what they did. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think Good. just having it back, honestly, if it had just been, which it kind of was, Bran sitting in the court, just the camera on Bran's face as he sat in the courtyard for 60 minutes, I'd have still been like, oh, it's Game of Thrones. Yeah, do you know what so, I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so yeah. I would enjoy that. So I watched that. Yeah. I also watched the entirety of season six of Ray Donovan, all of it, right. <laughs> every single I mean- episode, because I'd never, I'd never finished it. So I enjoyed that oh, okay. a lot. Right. Right. Uh, so I went through Fair all of enough. that, and of course. Of course, Boyd, there was oh, yeah. the Marvel that is line of duty. The duty. Uh, so,
1: because we should say, when we go out on Monday, Sunday's episode just gone, yes. as the biggest ending of any episode so far. Yeah, so we've have you watched
0: which it. Which I haven't watched. Oh, no, I won't. Okay. no, no, this Don't. is a spoiler-free zone. Oh, spoiler-free sorry. zone. This is a spoiler-free but zone. it's massive. But but Boyd and I have seen five of them. 5 We've seen yes. everything but the finale, and Oh my God.
2: Oh, God, don't. Oh, my
0: God. I am the UCO inside the OCG. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, my
2: God. What about the BFG to the OC knee? Oh, it's mm.
0: extraordinary. Ted Hastings is my God. Just some of the stuff he comes out with in this. I do feel like it's taken them this long to latch onto the fact that, A, he's clearly a massive sex symbol, but also he's just <laughs> a legend in all of our lifetimes. Oh, yeah. And it's like every single line of his now is, is a gif, is a meme. Like, every line of his dialogue is now a thing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and and that and a huge amount of humour at the same time as you're constantly wondering if he isn't the biggest wrong in the history. of I love of the, the whole way show. they're doing that and yeah.
0: uh, and and just like just every time he goes fella ah oh, fella.
2: Well, <laughs> which is the impression of Mark Dinning, the ex-editor of Empire, That's also true. who is definitely H. Um, yeah. uh, but <laughs> is there a sense though, right? Because I it's starting to grate on me a little bit the whole. Very heavy-handed signposting of him as H, even though he's clearly not going to be. That would be the worst kind of twist in history or isn't oh, don't he? Get, i mean there's a bit where he's like oh i'm just going to put this laptop in some throw it in a skip after folding it inside something else <laughs> like it's starting to slightly irritate can me. i say
0: he took that laptop to the bbc's non-advertising oh, equivalent yes, of computer did. exchange did, yes. which also <laughs> by the
2: way shouldn't you like throw it in a river or something isn't that what you do with dodgy laptops
0: that is what you do with with dodgy laptops if you're trying to dispose of a dodgy laptop. But right. was he doing that, exactly. or did he just think, oh, they've got nice trading prices there? Did I he? Was tell- he? Just yeah, he really needs the it. money. I could do with the tenner. Yeah. Who yeah. knows?
1: I mean, he's a man in <sighs> need of cash. We know he that. didn't
0: float up the lagging on a bubble. That's what I'm going to say.
2: I do enjoy his uh, his very what you call it. Um, uh, Holiday in depressing. It's yeah. very Alan Partridge. Oh, yeah. The travel Partridge. tavern is yeah. brilliant. It is, yeah. it is so. Alan Partridge meets yeah. Ricky Gervais um, in yes. the Christmas special when he's yes. a traveling salesman. I keep waiting
0: for Lynn to kind of come in and get him some coffee yeah. or something. Yeah. It's, uh,
2: it is amazing. I'm enjoying that whole little subplot.
0: Oh, genius. Yeah, Honestly, fantastic. I think genuinely uh, Ted Hastings should be in everything. Just everything. He should turn up as in every Ted, show. As, oh, oh, yeah. No, no, not the actor. Not Adrian <laughs> Dunbar. Literally. Ted Hastings. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes.
1: We should all a shout out as well because we were talking about this before we started recording. Polly Walker as um, Jill Bigelow, the kind of um, legal counselor. Yes. Who is trying to shag him. That's right. And she is fantastic. She's brilliant in everything she does, but I'm loving her work. In I had thing.
0: completely forgotten all the way through. I was looking at her thinking, oh, you're so familiar. What What were you in? And then I realized she was the one who was perpetually naked in Spartacus Blood and Sand. There you go. Uh, with John Hannah. Yeah. Naked, literally naked with John Hannah a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah she's great brilliant. stuff, great She stuff. could be H, who knows? She could be H. Mm-hmm. Sexy H. Yeah, that's what it is. Sexy H. Well,
1: uh, they are both be sexy Hs. That's true. as you've just established. Yeah, Every, they're all, Male all sexy Male sexy H, H female yeah. sexy that's H, it. That's it. Who knows?
0: Wall-to-wall sexy Hs. Yeah. Um, could I just say... For- Killing Eve's Back and two episodes have aired and we haven't seen it and what the fuck is up with that
2: oh, we talked about this last week right this week this yeah. is the other thing is we're recording this what four days after we yeah. did the last we, one we should clarify that it. it's
0: Easter it's Easter therefore we're recording this on the Thursday but because it's Easter it's not going out until the Tuesday and part of the reason for that is we want to be able to see Game of Thrones before we put this up so sorry for A the delay and also for the fact that our news will almost certainly be four days out of day yes. but you know
2: and we only did the last news four days ago yeah, but yeah. deal you, with it I mean the the, the Killing Eve thing—I was saying—I've had to mute the tweet, the Twitter account, mm. because they're tweeting to I their know. American audience. And but what I am enjoying is the wall of wailing that they're getting back from British people, yeah. going, "Why can't we see it?
0: Absolute twats!
2: It's insane. It is. It's very weird. It's a very weird sensation to have the other half of the world experiencing a cultural event that mm. is basically being blocked. But from you know, me.
0: it's aired in Ireland as well.
2: Yeah, I know. Some... Oh, it's, it's
0: it's ending half of Europe, which means, yeah. Yeah. Which, which means. means Adrian Dunbar has seen it. So right. Ted Hastings has A- seen A- Gilling C- Eve. Yeah. yeah. Ted yeah. Hastings A- H- has seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's that's quite dramatic. So so that's what we've been watching. Is anyone watching anything no, else? Yeah, no, we what, I mean, we it's only d- just you, really.
2: You yes, did this what is you that. were watching. This has been a good discussion. Text, but well, yeah, yeah, it's
1: based on what you've been watching. allowed
2: us oh. to talk occasionally. So <laughs> I'm going to go next. So I watched this week, for no particular reason, In the Dark, the BBC um show. Which, I don't know what that is. So this is a, a series, a crime series, a BBC one. It aired um in the summer of 2017. And basically, I was... After something a bit line of duty, a bit bodyguardy, I wasn't in the mood for starting a whole new season and this is a four parter, and I was like, Oh, I'm just gonna jump in. It came up on my iPlayer algorithm, which seems to actually work unlike other services Netflix. <laughs> and it is the most ridiculous load of horseshit, but it's kind of really enjoyable, so I couldn't stop watching it. So it is an adaptation of these Mark Billingham novels, and it's essentially about a female police officer and detective, um, and it's bizarre because it's kind of four episodes and it's in two halves, so the first two are essentially a whole season's worth of drama. It's about um, uh, going back to her hometown, she gets pregnant, she's had an affair. Spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, uh, It's about child abduction, somebody ends up getting killed, and this entire thing, which would normally probably take six seasons on a normal show to work out, they concluded within two episodes. Then the second two episodes were another thing entirely. It the some of the um, worst acting I've seen in years. Huh. It's we should say it's Mayanna um, Buring, um, yeah. who is is the lead. Genuinely, some of the worst acting I've seen in years. Some ridiculous kind of um, uh, scripting. Some of the clunkiest dialogue I've read um, or heard. Um, but it was really compelling, and I couldn't stop watching it. And I stayed up all night watching all four. This
0: isn't Thorn, is it? Like it's different because that's Mark Billingham as well, isn't it? Yeah, no, that was Thorn because it was yeah. David Morrissey, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Sky, uh, Scary Cat Sky. and Sleepy Head. Yeah. That was really yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Did you um, see this
2: at the time? I did,
1: yeah, and you're right. I agree with everything you said, except, and I'm a huge Mark Bellion fan. So he's a, I think, the, so the strength of it, yeah, you're right, mm. was the plot. Yeah. he does great eye catching compelling concepts and premises yes. for all of his books and he's brilliant at that but you're right the, the, but funny enough the BBC was, went through a weird period where a lot of particularly their crime drama novel adaptations were two-parters yeah they did it a few times but, but I, it didn't work with the other ones they did it with no. as well yeah it is it was it, a weird structure it's a weird structure she's yeah.
2: you know, got four episodes the first two are linked the second two yeah. are linked but the amount of ground they cover is yes. astonishing um, and it is proper guilt I hate the phrase guilty pleasure because you either like some or you don't new gives a what other people think, but if I were to use the term guilty pleasure, I would use it here. Um, it is ridiculously compelling, gets under your skin. I stayed up till four in the morning. What is G- wrong with that's me? Insane. That's insane, What is wrong with me?
1: Oh, case histories, yeah. I think case histories which had, oh, I love case, histories. right? Which had, you know, um, hello, Jason Isaacs. Um, at, Jackson Brodie, Yeah, and Kate Atkinson adaptation. I think they did those in, like, two-episode storylines as well. It was weird. It was really weird, yeah. If I'm all wrong, I
0: apologise, but that was my memory of it anyway. I don't understand that. Like, when you you adapt a whole novel and you just do it into two-hour-long mm, episodes, it's right. just like, give you know, give it room. Don't yeah. rush through yeah. this stuff. But they, they should definitely bring that
1: back because it was great. And those also brilliant, brilliant stories. Kate Atkinson's a genius. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. The Well, they genius. ran out of
0: Jackson Brodie novels. True. Is um, she doing a new one? T- yeah, there one? Yes. is a new one. Yes. Was, but I don't think... I think I asked Amanda Abington about this oh. on the MBO podcast. Oh, so said, did, did
1: you know. know?
2: Did you know? You and Amanda. Yeah. Did you know? Well, First of all, I know
0: for a fact she's one of your celebrity friends, so yes. I can't Sorry. claim that she's is one she of mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've done a few Q&As with Amanda. She does That's follow brilliant. me on Twitter, though. Yeah. If yeah. you
2: okay? You say you've done a few Q and A's with her. Yeah. Have you been out together for a drink or dinner?
0: Um, I, I, we
1: went out after one of the Q and A's and had a drink. I mean, not just me and her. I mean, a yeah. few people. Yeah. So that was, that's the day. limit of, of there wasn't a day that was the limit of my socialization with her. Socializing with socialization. Her. <laughs> socialization.
2: <laughs> she can socialize. Totally she can telling. socialize
1: me anytime. Yeah. <gasps> no. oh, I,
0: don't Boy, I don't know what that means.
2: Void. Void. Um, yeah. Do not make. I didn't even In mean it know. that
0: way. I didn't even mean it that way. You, um, you've made the podcast unnecessarily anyway, sexy, yes. sweet boy.
1: made don't. it weird. Sorry. Yeah,
0: right. I'll tell you, she's amazing though. She is, she's great. I I'll tell her. you what I've been watching. Have you finished? If, if what? If you have really, been watching? If what I mean, you have been watching is Amanda Abington, then this is a whole different kind of steady, podcast and we need to just, you know. Steady on. <laughs>
2: uh, that is mainly what I've been watching other than all of the things we talked right. about three days ago.
1: Good. <laughs> I want to mention special. Have you heard of this? This is on Netflix. This is one of those Netflix things because Netflix now has like five new shows every fucking week. They do not properly and I'm not having a go at them. I'm <laughs> semi are, having a go. You at them. are having a go they at them. They don't necessarily showcase all of them. I mean, they just can't. There's just too much stuff. But special is a really interesting show. Is it special? It's steady. It's based on the memoir <laughs> "I'm Special and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves" by Ryan O'Connell, who stars, writes, and show runs the show. It's an American show, and it's about he is a gay man, and he has mild cerebral palsy, and it's all about kind of dealing with his identity, body image, particularly in the kind of like um you know in the gay community in L.A. It's like so. It's like this kind of this this fantastic guy in the middle of this ludicrous world. There's a kind of really interesting... A, it's unbelievably blunt and honest and adult. Mm. So there's a scene in episode two where he has sex pretty much for the first time and pays for it with this guy who's, like, brilliant, by the way, like, you know, the way he's... And it's just, I've just never seen anything like it, really. It's, like, genuinely new stuff. You know, when you kind of... Because, A, it's still unbelievably rare to see a, a character with a disability on TV. Absolutely. And it's set to, to have you as your main character and to do an incredibly no-holds-barred look at what life is really, really like, including sex and relationships, etc., it's pretty incredible stuff. And the other intriguing thing about it is the episodes are only 15 minutes long. And when I initially, like, when I, so when I watched those episodes, I'm like, oh, it's only 15 minutes long, that's weird. And maybe they'll, they'll and they're all like between about 14 to 17 minutes long. Mm. And it's great, another, the great thing about Netflix, they do let creators do whatever yeah. the hell they want to do. So I don't even know whether, I'm sure they didn't go, oh, we want them all to be 15 minutes long. I think he's just decided that's the best way to do it, to have these, like, so each one is like a little vignette in his life and it's really really good stuff it's a really interesting
0: um uh, show in all kinds of ways special Do you remember in season one of the OA when one episode is like 25 yeah. minutes yeah and I I was really thrown like something's gone wrong with my Netflix right. what's happening where the rest of the episode did I fall asleep like yeah. what happened
1: yeah that's they're very proud of that yeah if you know they will tell the story in whatever however long it takes yeah. so if it's going to be eighty minutes it'll be eighty minutes if it's going to be 25 35
0: minutes yeah absolutely no yeah, fair play to them I so yeah. don't have to worry about ad, ad breaks. So it's not quite as And obviously
1: rigid, the Spoiler Special is still available.
0: Now, it is. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, so we have yes. a slightly odd situation now where we have Funny or Dire, which was artificially constructed by you bastards last week. to You orchestrated that I would see this thing. I'm unprepared for this. I watched it just before I came over here. So the show is Nighty Night, which mm-hmm. is a Julia Davis comedy. I didn't have time to read anything about what it would be before I turned it on. I don't really know what I thought of it, if I'm honest. I hated everyone in it with the fire of a thousand supernovas. You're meant um, to. I, yeah, I appreciate that. But there were a couple of things. So first of all, it took me a while to register that it was Angus Deaton. And oh, then it yes. took me even longer to register that beneath that wig was Mark Gators. And I was yes. like, oh my God. <laughs> and then isn't Lynn in there as well? Yes. And I was like, so I was like, I oh, stupid too no people. Yeah, it's a who's who of British comedy talent. Um, it's clearly very good. It's so far away from what my sense of humour could be said to be. I can't even tell you. That said... And this is completely improbable because I, like, I'm like. i not saying it's bad at all because it's a reflection of me. I didn't enjoy watching it, but I did laugh.
2: Oh, so Whoa. we actually...
0: But in a really random place. Which and if bit? you had told me that this would make me laugh, I would have just looked at you and been bl- like, no. Go on. Genuinely, when she's, when she's on the date... And Mark Gatiss turns to the waiter and it's like, Peter, 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 whenever the bloke's ignoring him. And she pulls a chunk off her roll and throws it at the waiter. And the waiter steps aside and he just twats this woman in the back of the head. And for some reason I just went, pa! And I don't know why.
2: Hang on, did you pa? Or did you laugh?
0: Well, that, that's as close as I got to a laugh. Like, it was an outpouring of noise brought about by mirth. But
2: that's not laughter. Well I hate to like okay. man no, yeah. laughter laugh I hate to laugh display to you. humor
0: splaining to me. But um, um
2: yeah, I think you do have to laugh and there has to be body movement and noise. For I mean it to count.
0: I made noise. Body movement. But
2: was... well, you know, if you laugh you go, oh, yeah, okay. oh no, I didn't do that. But well, well, I don't laugh, I don't really huh. do
0: that. Uh no, no I didn't do that. But I laughed at that and I found the bit where a woman in it has a protracted asthma attack, which is one of the things it's very good because it goes on just that bit too long mm-hmm. and that's what makes it funny.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's Ruth thought, Jones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Ruth Jones's asthma attack is is. So yeah. did
2: it make James Look, Apart die from, from laugh? my
0: pa noise, that was as close as I got. Like that. That, that, was does, it. that
2: is a no. Okay,
0: so that's a no. It's, closer, it's a no it's one noise, you know. It's you. not called.
2: It's not called dire or pa. <laughs> <laughs> it's called diet. Actually, what is it called dire or laugh? Make James die laugh. Die laugh. What is happening? It's still called
1: make James laugh. As well as it's, funny it's, it's funny or dire Funny
0: or die yeah. for James.
2: But it's not called. All right, let Isn't, me do that again. It's not called Parodia, is it?
0: I, I don't know why you said do that again. It's not like I'm cutting any of that out. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. So no, it's that's 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 also it was it was super super ultra cringe. Oh yeah, which it, which it was It was very painful for me. I
1: don't think you can um, underestimate, overestimate, <laughs> whatever how spectacularly cringeworthy it felt. When it when it arrived at the time, because this was pre, you know, there was before a lot of the kind of big cringeworthy yeah. stuff arrived.
0: Before people had built up their tolerance.
1: Yeah, and it was,
0: and it's so bleak, isn't it? And everyone yeah. is horrible, really, really horrible, so nasty. awful. But they even don't. the sympathetic characters yeah. are awful, absolutely. unless she's on that date with Gator, and he reaches over to like grab her breast when she turns to talk His to her. His characters, it's just oh, yeah. it's just. It was, so, which
1: episode did you watch? Kim? Just the first one. Oh, first the episode. first one yeah. very first. In, one. Ju- do you watch the second series of Nice Night? Famousl,y went absolutely fucking bonkers as well. Like, really. Really great. If you think the first, like the first ones is fairly it has, I feel has like a kind of grounding in reality but the mm. second series flies off i would mm. say
0: into some extraordinary places yeah this is definitely one of those series where if someone said to me oh is that any good i'd probably say to him yeah it's really really good and they'd say did you enjoy it i'd be like not even slightly
2: well i did say last week in your absence when we chose this for you um that you would either i couldn't decide if it was absolutely <laughs> yeah. against your type entirely yeah. or if you were actually going to quite like it and i knew it would be a Quite a violent reaction, a binary reaction. Mm. There wouldn't be. Yeah, a, it was yeah. the former.
0: It was the former. But but the week prior to that, you had challenged me to watch pulling, which I still yes. have yet to. So I will watch that for next week. Apologise to anyone who is sending in their suggestions. We're Terry's basically monopolising <laughs> it at the moment. Uh, so I shall watch uh, Sharon Horgan's pulling. Oh, for you next, know what? I was bloody
2: us oh, women are like. Yeah. Here she comes again, <laughs> wanting me to watch another <laughs> show with a woman in it. Honestly,
0: you're <laughs> her in charge of the podcast for one week, and mm. this is That's what great.
2: you get. It's almost like we make up fifty-one percent of the population. You guys.
0: Yeah. We you only make up a third of this podcast.
2: Yeah, tell me about it.
0: <laughs> right, shall we move on to news? Yes, I know you're waiting for it. Oh, I know God. you. Oh, we, you, you, we might as well get, get it out of the, the way. way. I you know you get, get it out of the way. Stealing God. yourself for this all week, but yes, we have some Picard news and proper Picard news, not even like the token news that Nick pulled out of his bum last week. Mm. This is this is really good. So Variety has reported this fact that Allison Pill, Harry Treadaway, and Isa Briones. From American Crime Story, uh, the Versace one have joined I'm a Versace. series regulars on Picard.
2: Are you, who, hey, what? So,
0: so, like Alison Pill, you know from <gasps> from too. Scott Pilgrim in the <laughs> newsroom. God, I do. I'm you know your Harry Treadaway, who's one of the Treadaways. Uh, you know <laughs> a Treadaway. A <laughs> That's, That's not Luke. <laughs> That's not Luke. <laughs> He's in there. This is very exciting. So they will be joining Patrick Stewart, presumably as like the Picardettes, <laughs> uh, and they shall be just worshiping at the altar of Jean luc They will hmm. be making it so they they are engaged to star. And other Star Trek next generation references.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah.
0: I when is this show
1: be. gonna? Um, is, it, is it? actually started making it? Uh, well, yeah, so it's, it's due to air at the right end of the year. But I, okay. I mean,
0: I've already booked in our six part spoiler special that we're going to do. Uh, where sure. we're going to have a deep, 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 deep dive into Picard. It's gonna be very good. Oh, I can't God.
2: wait. I presume that's just you.
0: No, yeah. no, we're all doing it. In yeah. fact, you're doing your own episode just because I'm, I'm so desperate for you to watch because I cannot wait for the episode where we review the show to hear what you, Terry, think of it. Have you ever watched an episode of Star Trek in This Generation? Uh, yes. What happened? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> did not record your feelings yeah. at the time. Uh, or was it the one where Data went to claim benefits at the post office and got mugged exactly. by someone on the stage? Exactly,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in Huddersfield. <Yeah.
2: laughs> I loved that episode.
0: Oh, it was guest guest director Ken Loach. It's good. It good. Oh, That's a brilliant idea. Get Ken Loach to
2: direct <laughs> episode, it? then
0: I'll
1: watch. Then right. I'll watch. I want to see Picard directed by Loach, and I bet Patrick Shoot would be up for that. I bet he would. He's a man of taste. I bet he
0: would. Well, it's like you know, it's it's out of context stuff. So like when I was at Star uh, Star Wars Celebration and we saw that footage from the Mandalorian, which no one saw because that was one where I think you mentioned it last week. Yeah, but we like, said yeah, you saw away. it, but I, I saw it. Normal people, people it. didn't. There's yeah. the bit where are you
2: allowed to describe to us? Oh by yeah, the way. yeah, absolutely. But
0: they did. They were rejecting people for trying to film it though. But there's so you've got uh, um, Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian or Mando as they were referring to him in the panel which was just weird no yeah so he never takes his helmet off he's very sort of dread-like in this you never see his face I'm is sure he never going to take point. it off in the I show? don't know but he okay. doesn't in any of the footage Okay. Uh, and he goes in and he sees uh, Billy D. Williams who kind of runs a little bounty hunter collective and he's looking for employment and Billy D has a special job for him so he wanders off uh, and trips over about 18 different insider gags for Star Wars including a salacious crumb and a Power loader robot and all sorts of stuff, Ooh. and then he ends up in a room with some stormtroopers and an imperial officer who gives him this assignment. And that imperial officer is Werner fucking Herzog. Yes, which is just yes. brilliant. Therefore, um, Ken
2: Loach isn't that crazy. No, I know. No. I was expecting no. Ken
0: Loach is actually one of oh, yeah. the stormtroopers, and he didn't know that, but that's that's hundred percent true. Um, and he gets the job from him, and then he goes off in his ship, and there's violence, and there's things, and Ig88, which I got accosted by someone at celebration uh, for not calling him Ig88. Why? Oh no, we be Ig88, We're not Ig88. not Eg88. But apparently, there is a contingent who a not only think that he is Ig88, but when I refer to ATATS, apparently I should call it an ATAT, and not no. An ATATS. Uh, no, no, oh, no. It's just like you. Who fuckers. are these people? Who are you?
1: No, Don't they say ATAT in the film.
0: No, it's never said. So it stands for All Terrain Armoured Transport. But his argument was, you wouldn't call the ATST at st, would you? Which actually is a fair point. It is a fair point. It is a fair point. But all I'm going to say is, I was on set at The Empire Strikes Back, so fuck you. I get to say what I like.
2: Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Um, so <laughs> how old were you on
2: the set of Empire Strikes
0: Back? I don't know, like three or four. Yeah,
2: toddler. Yeah. You, how can you not have heard? It, it wasn't a story? set visit. I've heard visit. the story. No, I was on set of Empire Strikes you Back You get smuggled on it. There's there. pictures of me there. I've got wow. I've got <laughs> f-
0: evidence on my phone. Christ, no, um, no wonder that's where it all goes back to. That you. is. That's where it comes back to. You. But so I saw yeah. footage for Mandalorian. Mandalorian actually looks really good. I don't, You know, that's gonna be one of the big things for Star Wars fans about whether they'll sign up to Disney Plus. So uh, I guess they need yes. it to be good because no one is signing up for the bloody Cassian Andor series. But I also saw like close. Clone Wars is coming back. They're doing another. I think it's eight episodes to finish the Clone Wars story because Clone Wars famously got canned when uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm famously. because it was famously, famously because it was taking place in a part of that universe that they were trying to move away from, which was the the prequel universe. Um, but now, Terry, this is actually true, and you'll be very excited to hear this. So the reason it's exciting is they're going kind to of be building up to a big finale in these eight episodes, where you will see the siege of Mandalore.
1: <laughs> let me describe. <laughs> let me describe uh, Terry's face. There, it was frozen for a moment. In um, I don't know if I can say awe Aur- and wonder. She wants me to let it go. Yeah. yeah Aur- it was Aur- like wonder. I don't know what to say to that. Yeah.
2: I say if you would like to believe that was awe and wonder, then yeah. you should continue with that belief. You were
0: never curious about the siege of Mandalore?
2: Uh, I mean, it's not really kept me up at night, but I've got a feeling it will from now on. <laughs> just thinking about this conversation.
0: All right. Well, that was what I learned. Great.
1: Anyway. <laughs> Anyone
0: else got yes. any
1: non-Star Wars or Picard news? There, can I? There's a show that I'm... So one of the shows that I'm more excited about than almost any other coming up in the near future of premium cinematic television is the American version of Utopia. So this yes. has been de- in development for years and years and years. I remember David Fincher yeah. was going to do it, and then he, then he pulled out. It was going to be on HBO. Now it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Um, it's gonna. Be, it's written by Gillian Flynn of Gone Girl fame, which is the, one of the most exciting things about it because I think she's a genius. And they've announced this Do we week. call her Gillian? Gillian. A, Gillian. Gillian. It's not Gillian. It's, it's a hard G. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Look hard at, G. Yes. Didn't know that. Oh, big time. Good,
0: good. Big time American, Gillian.
1: Yeah. Big time hardcore, Gillian. Um Gillian. And they've cast... The key character, John Cusack, is going to yeah. be in it. which this is, is exciting. And he's never done TV. No. This is his first proper regular TV drama. And he's going to join... Um, Rain Wilson's in it. Sasha Lane's mm. in it. I, it's fucking exciting because I the, loved the original. The one.
2: cast is a s- yeah. fucking astonishing. Yeah.
0: I may have turned on this a little bit. Why? Why? I've got I've got cold feet. Why? What
2: have you got cold feet about? I've got cold
0: feet about it because I'm just a bit worried. Like, like I, I love that they're doing it, but I'm now a bit concerned. Why? Because I love, I love the British one so much, yeah, and I worry that same. this is going to be, you know, in the grand tradition of most, not all, but most American remakes of British things, it will just miss the point entirely. That's much more. Now, but explain mm. to me, so, so John Cusack in this yeah. is playing Dr. Kevin Christie, who yes. uh, they describe as a media-savvy <laughs> philanthropist yes. with altruistic plans to change the world through science. So, is this supposed to be the Ian McDiarmid character?
1: Uh, I think so. But this is the thing, right? I think they're changing it a lot. I think it's going to be... That's the thing. So yeah. they're taking the initial inspiration uh-huh. from the British version and it's going to be very, very different. So I think that's the thing, to, That's why, which makes it more exciting for me. I think you know, they're going to go... We've
0: yeah. never bansheed Utopia, where we really should have done it. Yeah, we should because have Because it's Utopia, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. just the use of colour yeah. in that show, the music, which is uh, Christabel Tapia de Beer, is incredible. Yeah. But also, like, it's funny, compelling, but also at times really... Unbelievably unpleasant. Yeah. Like the bit where um where, where he's like, he's rubbing like sand and, and chilies into the guy's eye oh, and yeah, it's just yeah, like it's right. really nasty. Yeah, it's horrible, yeah. But, but I remember
2: <laughs> it's really <laughs> nasty. <Yeah. laughs>
0: was that a bit whiny? It is really
2: yeah, it was quite nasty. whiny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there he- was public school boys that <laughs> <laughs> studies fucking dinner money <laughs> nicked <laughs> by me. You by that me from over the estate. Did I
0: go full re-smog there? <laughs> you did a bit.
2: <laughs> so yeah. nasty.
0: Annunziata's
2: gotten in
1: trouble. Yeah! <laughs> 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 They've rubbed something in Annunziata's oh, eye. You
0: both are dreadful twats. <laughs> yeah. I have missed this. Anyway, enough. don't
1: you worry about it. It's going to be great. Because right.
0: Gillian Flynn is Gillian art. Flynn. John Cusack. Not Cusack, which is a hard coup, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Oh,
2: Grain and
1: Nurt um, Wilson.
2: I have another one for James. <laughs> yeah, go now on. I've decided life has to be all through the series of James. Halo.
0: Yes, oh, Pablo Schreiber. Yeah. Porn Tash is the Master Chief. Yeah. What the fuck is that all about? I
2: thought of you when I saw this. I'm interested. Do you think this is a good thing?
0: It's hard to say. So, like, it's A lot of people only know Pablo Schreiber as Porn Tash from Orange is the New Black. And obviously Porn as the Master Chief is just wrong. However, like... People often know. So he's in he's in uh, season two of the Wire. and He's really really yeah. good in that, and he's pleasingly tall.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I know him from um, Law and Order SVU. So he played um, one of the worst bad guys in SVU history. Who two seasons ago, three seasons ago, took Liv, who is the main character in Law and Order SVU, kidnapped her, um, took her hostage, and murdered loads of people. Hang on,
0: he was. Hey, that's not something you're supposed to do if you're is he was he not a goodie then
2: no I said baddie oh yeah sorry yeah sorry if you got that confused but yes just to, uh, just to clarify for everybody who like James thinks that the guy who uh, murders people rapes them uh, takes a woman hostage is the good guy he is the bad guy he's an amazing bad guy like amazing bad guy but yeah, I mean, it made me excited in something I have not interest Well, he's Mad no Sweeney as well in,
0: in American Gods at the yes, moment. Yes, he is. But no, he's a really good actor. He's and, an amazing actor. And again, actor. I think the height thing is something you can't underestimate because the Master Chief is, uh, is obviously a Spartan super soldier, Terry, as you'll know.
2: I do uh, know. Let me tell you, shall I tell you the moment in which I realise height really is everything when it comes into <laughs> oh acting, <accident, God>. right? <laughs> Daniel Craig as Ted Hughes in the film Sylvia. Uh, yeah. Ted Hughes was a physical foreboding gruff mm. Yorkshireman who would travail the moors, reciting poetry, looking at the hawks, towering over the dales. And then Daniel Craig kind of, you know, ambles onto screen, <laughs> all five foot eight of him or whatever. And it was um, most... Trouble. That has no relevance to anything we're talking about.
1: No. He doesn't quite <laughs> as James Bond, though, do not he, Craig? Even with his well, diminutive... D-
2: can't you remember the whole backlash against his height?
1: I do remember. I, I do as, as a man of, of minimal height, <laughs> I, you know...
0: But I, it's I, like
2: I... you playing James in, his, in the <laughs> biopic of James' life.
0: Yeah, no, I want Pablo yeah, Schreiber to pay me in the biopic. Tom I'm Cruise like,
1: did Jack Reacher. I can play James. That's true. That's true. That's true. You probably, could be.
0: You could be the Tom Cruise to yeah. my Jack Reacher. Yeah. But it
2: did create issues, right? It Again, with it because it did. you have yeah. to. They have to take the character and own yeah. it in such a greater degree than they would do if they had a yeah. different physical. And template. James,
0: James all had like to stand on a box in um, *Concert of Solace*.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember reading. <laughs>
0: For anyone who uh, was unable to discern the actual news from that morass of nonsense, uh, it was that Pablo Schreiber will indeed play Master Chief, a.k.a. John 117, for that is the Master Chief's real name, uh, in the upcoming Showtime Halo series, which I'm, I'm very excited to see and will no doubt bang on about with increasing frequency as more news about this comes along. But let's, let's move away from the Halo-verse and to the Curtis-verse. For- Ian Curtis. N- no, no. 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 Richard Curtis. Uh oh. for the four weddings and a funeral series is uh is premier this is set for July on Hulu. Um this is so Hulu. on Hulu. <laughs> Hulu. Oh, Hulu. Have I gone Reese Mogg again? Yes. Yes. Hulu. Hulu. Hulu on the television. Um, right. This uh, So Mindy Kaling's done this. Now, I think this is a terrible idea from top to bottom because I love Four Weddings so much. And no one, no one can do this justice. Uh, but Mindy Kaling's very good. So maybe yes. she can. So this is coming to Hulu in July. It's a 10 episode episode thing kind of based i guess loosely around the film it's four american friends called maya craig ainsley and duffy mm-hmm. if you could you can find four more american names i don't know what they are uh and they reunite for sort of a big london wedding and presumably there's a funeral in there as well
1: uh when i when i did the oscars on on sky the show you year, have right? to drop that yeah. every time uh, don't but you? Uh, natalie emmanuel was on with me who's in this show of, of game of thrones what'd she tell you she, I mean, unsurprisingly, she was very enthusiastic about it. Um, what did she tell you off camera, in the ad breaks? Even off camera, she was very enthusiastic about it. But she said it's kind of taking inspiration from the idea of Four Weddings. Yeah. And turning that, so it's like... So the
2: concept, Yeah, it's the concept
1: right? and the tone. Uh, and she's, she was very, very positive. Obviously, she's in it. and But, you know, she seemed genuinely but kind what,
0: of pleased with the whole what thing. What makes that good is the Curtisian humour. Yeah. Like, take it, take right. that out, and it's just nothing.
2: I wonder what the point is. I think my personal feeling is that calling it four weddings loads it with so mm. many so much baggage yeah um and so many kind of uh preconceptions um and that if it literally is only the concept and the fact that richard curtis is involved i don't know why you just wouldn't do something yeah. n- different and new um and i get that it's an anthology series and it will and it will just be based around loosely the four weddings mm. and the funeral but i just think it's confused i find it dead confusing I because agree. i was like is it a film adapt is it a tv adaptation of the film? Is it a reboot? Is it a sequel? Like, what is it? Oh, it's not anything. It's just the idea.
0: And Annie McDowell, I believe, is appearing in this as she well, is. just to make it extra confusing. I was gonna,
2: and also just to make me no longer want to watch it at all. Ooh.
0: <laughs> Ooh, are you a McDowell hater?
2: She's awful in that uh, fr- I mean, she's. I mean, not her as an actor. The character she, is... Was she awful?
0: The, I hadn't noticed.
2: I hadn't noticed. Oh, my God, is it raining? Really? I hadn't <laughs> noticed. What,
0: what's happening? What's happening? What make it stop. Happening? Make it stop. What is happening? What is happening? She, who the hell is that? Who, who the, the hell, hell is
2: that? that? She, <laughs> oh, she's. God. I did say to James earlier, "Will this be like that time <laughs> I went away for a week and I came back and it was total <laughs> carnage?" Yes, yeah, so the answer so is well. yes. Um, she, her character is one of the worst female characters. In film, she is horrendous. They've made her a completely cold hearted, manipulative, money digging, grave robbing. (laughs) Grave robbing. She marries the much older man. Like (laughs) a bitch. Like the whole, the way her characterisation was done, I found super offensive.
0: But this kind of goes to heart. Like, Four Weddings and a Funeral is the most English comedy that ever walked the earth. Right the way oh, down to but, the fact that oh, she's referred to as that de- dreadful American. Americans, Do you know, you know what I mean? American. So I don't know how that translates.
2: Well, no, but in an well, American gonna, show. Because
1: they're going to be American characters arriving in London. They'll all be yeah. dreadful Americans. But remember, it is Mindy Kaling, and she's brilliant, yes, and yes. I love her, and so I'm giving it a chance.
0: Well, there you go. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. Um, why the last man lost its showrunners? Did you see this? I've talked no. about this before. Yorick, the last man and his little capuchin monkey ampersand. No? Dystopian tale where all men have gone. Remember? Yeah, Terry's do. basically vision of, a, of of the future. Yeah. Uh, when it's only women and a monkey. Right. Yeah, so anyway, the showrunners, which Michael Green and Ada Kroll have uh, basically announced via Twitter that they're not doing it anymore. They've fallen out with FX and they have jumped ship. This is a big deal because this is a show I think we and, well, let's be honest, I am very excited about. <laughs> and... <laughs> 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 because you clearly be don't give a shit. <laughs> no. But uh, for anyone else who is excited, the, you know the, the graphic novel is amazing. Uh, it's Brian K. Vaughan and Pierre Guerra's graphic novel, um, or series of graphic novels, I should say. There's lots of showrunners. They're, they're still pressing on with it. It's not cancelled. It is going ahead, but they're going to need to find you. some new people to run it. So, okay. yeah. Maybe you should apply. Maybe I should. Maybe I will. Did
2: you I, see... Go well, on. Go on. No, go on. Okay, I, 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 I was massively intrigued by uh, the um, Duffer Brothers... Um, who are going to actually have to stand trial um, after they've been accused of stealing the plot of Stranger Things from a writer and a director. And these things are often accused, Mm. right, and they don't really go anywhere, but it's actually going to go to trial. When you say
0: stand trial, really they're just going to court. They're not actually at risk of imprisonment, are they?
2: Well... I don't know Who what the, I don't know what the punishment oh. is. I'm
0: pretty certain it's not custodial.
2: But, but it's still a trial. It's it it a trial. trial. They are, but they and they are the defendants in that case. Yeah. Um but so they've been trying to get it thrown out. They've been accused of plagiarism essentially, right? So this guy claims that he pitched them the concept um at a film festival I think, mm. um and that stranger things obviously bears a very close resemblance How to what he claims. How do you prove that? Well, I I presume he's got some kind of documentation. I don't know, but I don't know how you prove you were the first person to ever have that kind of idea, right? That just seems like an impossible thing to do. And and I'm sure the Duffer Brothers have got um, paperwork going back showing that they'd been working on it or at least had ideas. Um, I think it's the similarity... He's saying the similarities in um, in the basic plot... Uh, which they both—it was a, this conspiracy theory of this Long Island village in the 70s. So I mm. think because it was both it's such a specific thing, he's claiming that you know they'd not not thought of this before. Um, he shared it with them, and you know if he if this guy wins, basically I think they're not able to continue on. Clearly there's been considered to be a case to answer for it to go to trial. This will which get settled. It'll rare. get settled. This person will think? get paid
0: off. Yes.
2: I don't think... but why why let it go this far? I don't
1: know. Well, I think the judge from well, I read I read that story as well and it looked felt like they, they I feel like they're expecting the judge to dismiss it and go yes. oh, yeah don't you worry about it but the judge hasn't. I mean it, I think with all these things, it, it feels like the, the, the initial at least judgment comes down to one person, yeah. Who, let's just say, may or may not have a thoroughgoing knowledge of popular culture, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, uh, for the, for me, the, one of the really interesting things that they said in the story that I read was that that the, they had to tell the judge, look, in the deposition, you know, in, in giving gathering with the evidence, we can't, we we must be allowed to not have to give away all the future stuff that's happening yeah. in our show. Yeah. And you wonder whether it's going to go, oh fuck that, I don't care, you know? Because imagine, yeah. the, yeah, the way it comes. Members back, of like... the and go, oh my God, spoilers! Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Objection, Your Honor, spoilers! <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I mean, it, there's a lot of ramifications for it, but it is surprising that it's got this far. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. That is the
2: point, is that th- I think these things are often, people are often accused, right? Yeah. And, and there's always a, I mean, A, what is a truly original idea if yeah. it's yeah, based cool. on something that's happened or an existing theory or, or history or anything, really? I think it's quite a weird conceit to believe that anything is completely original. But well, I can't remember the last thing where it actually no, got this yeah. far, yeah. Um, which is kind of extraordinary. Especially, you know, sh- it's coming back here in what, like... Yeah, it's it's summer, a, isn't it? Yeah, bloody is, and they
1: need to get a topper with the Duffer Brothers. So I <laughs> hope they're not yeah. too busy
0: with <laughs> <laughs> this
2: bloody trial. Just wait outside the court I mean, in LA. Yeah. Guys, isn't that uh, yeah, a time? I do,
1: do need to speak to you. for yeah, we're, we're in
0: recess <laughs> for a couple of hours. Could we... Uh, <laughs> you get your priorities uh, right. This is absolutely nuts, but of course... Uh, Stranger Things Have Happened oh well done <laughs>
2: how long have you been sat on that
0: couple of minutes yeah um, right okay does anyone want to say any more news one more thing I thought Go was on. interesting
1: because news always goes does in it involve long. Mike Myers
0: no
2: yeah no. oh my god that story oh, all right. that's
1: alright yeah Mike Myers is doing a show for Netflix <laughs> no it. I was intrigued by this Umbrella Academy who's got 45 million people watching it do you see that that, but,
2: can hang on. I know? Can we talk about this? Because yes. They released a lot of figures at yes. the same time, right? So, how many for the Fire Festival? That was twenty.
1: Yeah, twenty-five, twenty-nine million, 29 twenty-five million. million for David Attenborough, Our Planet. Yeah, So, I want to talk about the whole subject. Go on, of, go yeah. on, Boyd. So I've got famously, to say. famously, Netflix does not release viewing figures. Yes. In the same way that every other um, TV network in America. Um, does and it's all very much, it's all used up by Nielsen ratings the same way that Barb does it here for British companies. But Netflix stands outside of it, they refuse to play that game, they don't need to sell advertising, it's not part of the whole thing. So they're very, very firm that we, but now they've decided. So, in the week, so what happened last week was they announced that I think 9.6 million extra subscribers, which is ahead of mm. they keep adding subscribers, they never lose subscribers, so their business model is still working really well. But they said what they're going to start doing is releasing select figures that they decide they want to release. So it's kind of like having it both ways, and they're going to put out top tens apparently from not you the know, top tens of, of the select their, figures of the select figures of their <laughs> own shows, saying this is the top ten of our stuff that's been watched. And to kind of whet our appetite for that, they put out as I say. So they're, they're saying Umbrella Academy has been watched forty-five million times, David. But what they they have a supposed meaning So they for to get a watch what they count as someone watching one of their shows is someone watching 70% of an episode. Which is in itself... 45 million episodes, not who've watched the whole show. No, 45
2: million member households.
1: Yes. Have watched at least 70% of an episode of that show. So it's kind of not quite as amazing. So as you itself. didn't
0: necessarily make it to the end of the pilot, but they're counting you, right?
1: Right. Exactly. It's fast, but I'm intrigued by the whole. They don't give. They will do whatever the hell they want to yeah. fucking
0: do, yeah.
1: and they're sticking to it, and everyone else can go jump.
2: But I think it's ridiculous because, quite honestly, we know that if they're being selective in terms of what they release. Then they are going to release the amazing figures, yeah. which if, if I didn't hear if I loved a show and I didn't hear any figures given, I would have been like, oh, well, clearly it did shit. So mm, they're, right. they're, what they're doing is creating a framework within which they think they've got complete control. But obviously, as an audience, we'll start to interpret things completely differently I agree, because yeah. I was because I was thinking about, did they release a figure for um, you?
1: Um, they did for Sex Education, education. I remember. Yeah, yeah, they did. And that was a big figure. Yeah. I'm not, maybe they did for you as well. Yeah. But it is an interesting... But in your head yeah. you're
2: going, oh, I haven't, yeah. that was a massive show and I haven't heard any of you in fingers. Yeah, right. Must have been shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of like... Yeah. A, a... This sense of control. Mm. I think in this day and age, I think with everything going on with Facebook, um, I think there has to be... If you want people to truly trust you as a brand... I think you have to have total transparency. Mm. And I think we work in a time where, and we live in a time where TV companies are very, we see what the BBC get overnight. We, I used to work on a magazine where we got the overnight figures every morning. You saw yeah. what everybody was doing. Right. Netflix has ability to kind of, or, or kind of um, liking to step out of that. On one hand, if you're gonna go, do you know what? It's not about metrics that have previously ruled the world. It's about quality, it's about connection. That is all great, and I'm going to buy into that argument, but what you then can't do is turn around and go, oh, by the way, this one got 45 million. You can't <laughs> operate outside right, the system exactly. and use it yeah. when you want to because it does feel like, actually, that was, well, what was that about? And actually, if you're, you are using traditional value judgments, then you just need to be open with us, right? And you need to go, this is what all the shows got, and we're just going to be completely transparent.
0: And on that note, should we move on to reviews? Yes. yes. Let's move on to reviews. Um, yes. <laughs> First up this week, we have Chambers. This Netflix horror stars Sivan Elira Rose as a young woman who has a heart attack and receives another young woman's heart as a transplant, at which point she has a full recovery and lives happily ever after, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, of course she doesn't. Uh, rather, her new heart brings with her a host of weird, supernatural things and two very creepy parents in the form of Uma Thurman and Tony Goldwyn, whose former daughter donated the haunted heart. Now, Terry, as the John Doe-esque <laughs> scrawlings in your notebook <laughs> will attest, you had many possibly psychotic thoughts about this.
2: I did, right. So, let's just start by saying um, this is kind of in a weird amalgama- amalgamation, easy for me to say of kind of a supernatural horror, a bit teen drama. Um, and when it starts, you feel like you're in familiar territory, right? So it's a young girl. How old is she meant to be? 16? 17. 17. So So, um, and it kind of opens on her... And she's rubbing like some kind of lotion into her skin, and there is a. And or I else was, she
0: gets the hose again.
2: So, I, yeah. So I'm rolling. Here we go. So I'm rolling my eyes at this point, right? So she's seventeen, and she's rubbing it around her breast and chest area, and I'm like, oh Christ, really? Are we here again? <laughs> Then, like, the smiths start playing, yes. and she walks out of, of the house to the car, and essentially, you know, this is the night she's meant to lose her virginity in a mattress shop to her boyfriend, Um, and I, at this point, I'm like, oh, God, and then she basically has a heart attack, right, so yeah. this is not too much M- of a it happens. it happens really quickly, right, so... Um, when and we all, we're all aware that in horror there are certain tropes brilliantly exploded by the likes of Scream where you know the girl who has sex for the first time is usually the girl that dies mm. so but I think actually what what becomes quite apparent is that it's playing with a lot of those things because um, after she survives the heart attack there's a very similar shot to the one that had existed before which and she's doing the same thing but you see the scar where she's had open heart surgery that runs up her chest and you're like okay alright maybe Maybe this isn't what I initially um thought it would be. It is beautifully shot, I have to say. Mm. Um, it's set in Arizona, so you've got these dusty roads, this kind of widescreen vista, sandstorms. It's kind of the perfect setting for this supernatural, weird, intense, um you know, suddenly violent world you're being pulled into. So I thought it looked incredible. Now, When Uma Thurman's character, and she plays the mum of the girl who's died who donated her heart, um, and Tony Goldwyn um, is the dad, Ben, Uma Thurman, you forget how great Uma Thurman is at really out there, weird chick. Like, there's this incredible first shot of her and you're like, they do not piss about, you Mm. are right flat-banging the weirdness. It is very weird, it's slightly eerie, it's really offbeat. You've got this sense of um, the outsider because they are, um, is it? are they Navajo, her and her uh, uncle? Is
0: that Navajo? They're Native American, definitely. Native I don't American. know
2: Um And Uma Thurman and um, uh, Tony Goldwyn, they're very, kind of white privilege and there is this really interesting stuff going on with... With her, um, as basically Sasha as being the outsider trying to kind of get inside this world that's weird, that's odd, that she doesn't quite understand. Um, I only watched the first episode, um, but I really loved it. I love the kind of play of privilege. Um, it feels very authentic in terms of showing kids at school these days, none of it feels kind of um faked or kind of out of step. So I really liked this, and all of the things I thought I was rolling my eyes at initially, I actually feel like they were setting up those things to that often exist in teen dramas to kind of deconstruct them and knock them down
0: mm. it shot a bit it feel, had a real sort of indie film vibe to it Completely. A really low American Honey it m- reminded me
2: of American yeah. Honey there were a couple of shots and yeah. I was like fuck but it has really a real great.
0: authenticity to it which yeah. is really at odds with the subject matter because on the one hand it's a really believable look at a kind of a working class background minority yeah. teenager but then you have her colliding with this and this in itself as a cliche there's a whole fish out of water she ends up going to the rich yeah. kid school uh, which, where they have nap rooms in case they get triggered and in lessons and it's all yeah. just hilarious um, but then you've got all this slightly weird supernatural stuff like, I've seen the first two, not the whole of the second one because I ran out of time uh, and it gets, like the supernatural stuff starts to dial up, you see it sort of, it is introduced in the first episode and mm. then it progresses from there, mm. but yeah it's really interesting in some ways this is almost like it's been made with both of us in mind, so you've got yeah. the working class girl sort of having, a, you know, dealing with her tough life and then you've got crazy weird psychic stuff for me all you need is Patrick Stewart to turn up and, you know, sorted. Well, yeah. and also,
1: as 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 you mentioned, as Terry mentioned, the very first scene plays out to the Smiths still ill. And yeah. that had me, it had me at the Smiths. So That's yeah. for all of us. Not only, Ma- yeah. Netflix made this for us. Absolutely. And um, I love that brilliant use of that particular song. And fantastic and kind of unusual choice because yes. it, it immediately is a striking yeah. moment. Yeah. Visually, is incredible. I love the bit There's, when they when she goes when she goes to the rich people's house, which yeah. is spectacular. The interiors, I mean, it's probably <laughs> interiors porn that they've got in that thing. And they all, they gather them all in the room to watch against a glass wall the sandstorm gathering. That's yeah. amazing. It's an amazing. Amazing moment. Amazing. amazing moment. So you think I, I, it does help that you've got a Netflix style budget where they can just have like a massive CGI yeah. sandstorm which looks incredible for like about a two second yeah, shot. Yeah, completely. Um, so. The production values are spectacular. Mm. Uma Thurman, she's oh my god, she's so amazing. I know she's so like. What is the character? She's like you're like she's creepy. She's yeah. slightly exploitative, slightly a weird relationship with the son, the teenage son, It's yeah, very interesting. Yeah. very the, interesting. Her
2: face in that face, face yeah. is remarkable. It's I don't quite know what she's doing with yeah. it, but it is yeah. it put it knocks you so but off. It,
0: There's so much emotional complexity conveyed in that. It's the sort of, it's that huge amounts of grief, devastation, but also a weird, obsessional, almost possessive projection onto this other girl Mm. who has part of her daughter inside her. Yeah, Yeah. And on a purely human drama basis, this works, and I can see it continuing to play out that way. However, lest we forget, this is a horror and a supernatural horror at that. This Mm. could... Quite easily go off the rails. Let's not, you know, like we're not saying this show is going to be definitely brilliant, but it has the potential to be brilliant.
2: Yeah, because you can see that you can see the strands they're going to pick up on, right? And what is, if you have somebody's heart, which of what of them do you take in and how far are they going to take that in terms of possession or ghosts or spirit possession or.
0: He's getting memories from the girl and some of her sort of, I say abilities, some of her knowledge and stuff is passing into her, which is. You and know, you know, I scientifically was, dubious, but.
2: But uh, you know, it reminds me, and I was I was talking to somebody about this about film earlier. It reminds you that horror, at its best, deals with real issues of social realism, of isolation, mm. of grief, of of those quite extreme emotional states and those things that unite us. And actually, it's such a great genre for that. And yeah. when you and she is somebody dealing with grief fundamentally, mm. as you say, on a pure human level, take everything else out. And then, what does it mean to give something as fundamental to who you are—literally your, your heart—to mm. another person? What else are you giving them? Just as a philosophical question, yeah. um, and what right does that pe- does that person's family and loved ones have to the bit of them that is now living in you. Whole,
0: I mean I can only imagine how they got hold of her address because ethical boundaries are go-go <laughs> Go, not to mention GDPR well, but because, I'm just but saying they, yeah they, but that's the great
1: thing about it it's all because they're so rich yes, so they yes. have because they're yeah. so privileged they, they have the information. an assumption they have mm. a right yeah. to get access to her and yeah. do whatever the fuck they want and I love that so you have got the class conflict thing yeah. you've got the mystery of how did the original girl die in the shower mm. Mm, or really. did she that's yeah. really mm. I, and I, I love that so this is like 10 episodes isn't it because I feel like if it wasn't, if they, they built up so much great stuff into the premise, I feel like, because I don't think, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's not going to go off first, I just feel they're building up loads and loads of great subject matter for a long, deep dive into this thing that could have ended up being a cliché two-hour horror film.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. And I lo- right. think this is what Netflix does best. Like, this is Netflix at its very best, where they really lavish time and attention on a really clever concept, and they give you huma they give you, you know, themes and big ideas. Yeah. I think it's really, really great. This now. is
0: actually what I love about long-form storytelling generally yeah. and sort of TV stuff. Because what this is, on paper, like the logline for this, is an incredibly basic first-base horror oh premise. God. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. This is every 80s and 90s straight-to-video horror film yeah. ever made. You know, Girl gets other girls' heart, weird <laughs> shit happens. Do you know what I mean? But because they can spread it out over 10 hours, they can luxuriate yeah. in it, they can take their time, they can afford to take this kind of verite approach to the aesthetic. And suddenly you have something that's quite special, even though the actual idea... It's so simple. Yeah. You well, just said verite approach to the aesthetic. Can, <laughs> we, just, can pull, we just focus on that for that. a minute? Um, um, so that's not so much Jacob Rees-Mogg as just being a twat. Yeah.
2: Can we also just recognise that actually people of colour being the focus in, yeah. the horror, in horror, obviously we've mm. just seen us, um, mm. Jordan Peele, as put yeah. as African-American people at the centre of a horror film. Um, when they are the norm, it's not about race. He's mm. presenting the normal family at the heart of it as an african american family which absolutely is a game changer in terms of the way that race has previously been used um in horror films and in films generally but actually having um as i say a young girl of color and seeing the world from her perspective and that of her uncle who i have to say is astonishingly um played by marcus is it La- lavoy I don't know how to pronounce know. it properly. L a v o oh, i, yeah. Lavoy.
0: I think Boyd's about to tell us there's a hard G in there somewhere. Lavoy.
2: He's a, and <laughs> and seeing yeah, the right. world and and sh- her being the subject and centre of this, and this white family of privilege mm. being the kind of outsiders. Mm. I think that in and of itself, in terms of storytelling, is also a really kind of um quite a radical correct, but a radical thing which again makes it feel authentic, makes it feel really interesting. You haven't seen this story, as you say on paper, mm. you feel like you've seen it before, you haven't seen this story before.
0: I was actually really relieved when I watched this as well, because when Boyd sent through the shows that we needed to watch this week, and obviously I came to this quite late because I've been <laughs> in Chicago, I saw N- Chambers on Netflix, I swear to God I thought this was a, was a Wu-Tang documentary. <laughs> 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 That's great, and I thought I can't face this. <laughs> and actually, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm capable of getting you Wu Tang documentary, but no. <laughs> yeah. See if you can che- queue that for next week. Yeah. Uh, that is Chambers, which debuts on Netflix on Friday, the 26th of April. Next up is The Looming Tower. This is a 10-part miniseries based on the book by Lawrence Wright. This stars Jeff Daniels, Peter Sarsgaard, plus a raft of other people, and is essentially an espionage thriller that deals with the period leading up to 9-11 and both the kind of FBI and CIA efforts to track the rising threat of one Osama bin Laden in the late 90s. Uh, This actually aired in the US at the beginning of last year, so it's been banging around for a while, but it's only just made it to these shores thanks to the BBC Two. I should say, thanks to BBC. (laughs) Thanks to the BBC. BBC The BBC (laughs) 2. Again, (laughs) re-smog. The BBC 2 has brought us the Looming Tower. (laughs) Uh, Oh, God. Yeah, I'm not even going to cut that out. Fuck it. So, uh, (laughs) the Looming Tower. Boy, did you like it? What do you think?
1: I uh, love this kind of stuff. This is very me, this stuff. I love um, the whole idea of showing us in dramatic form... The ins and outs, the kind of the detail of the FBI versus the CIA in Uh. fucking up the Uh. intelligence in the build-up, squabbling siblings, squabbling, um, ludicrous tactical mistakes, (laughs) having information or not using the information, power plays within these organisations, ego. um, You know, people kind of going, "Oh, this is the best way. Let's try and get this undercover person to do it, and it'll be brilliant, and I'll be, I'll get a medal." (laughs) And you know, it's all of that, and because it is based on this amazing book, which I haven't read, but you know, is a classic. Book by Lawrence Wright. It all feels so real. I mean, it is real. It's a dramatization, pretty much, of, of what he says, everything that happened. The cast is brilliant. Peter Sarsgaard, Jeff Daniels, Bill Camp, who's fantastic. Bill Camp was the detective in The Night Of. Do you ever see The Night Of? Was yes, three, yes, like, I yeah. love The Night Of. He's off. fantastic in that. He's brilliant in everything. But he's got this grizzled, you know, kind of ex- experienced face that's fantastic. Um, Michael Stuhlberg's in it. It's just got this incredible cast. All of these kind of old white men, basically. Yeah. Which is exactly how it was, of course, in the American law enforcement um, and intelligence situations. Are all competing with each other. And Tahar Rahim's in it as well, um, as an Arab-speaking Muslim. Um, who's who's an agent as well so Mm. it's just got this Rolls Royce cast and I just thought it was dripping in authenticity it's got that kind of you know 70s thriller vibe going on as well I really really it it's
0: part it. 70s espionage thriller part like a cop show do you yeah. know what I mean the way it's yeah. structured like dueling jurisdictions exactly, but yeah. what's what really elevates this is like the shadow of 9-11 just looms large right. over the whole thing because you're aware that where this is going mm. and the horror that this is all leading towards and every mistake they make you can see it contributing to this thing yeah. which is going to happen yeah I really enjoyed this I mean I watch anything with Jeff Daniels in it but I really really enjoyed this I thought it was great uh, first step is directed by uh, Alex Gibney uh, yes. documentarian who's yes. also exec producing here. Um and I beautifully shot and really, really nice. I like the use of flash forwards and found footage mm. as well. They had the testimonials in there which kind of give it added authenticity. I thought that that gave it a nice flavour. It's really lean and taut. Mm. I, I thought yeah. it was very compelling actually. It
2: reminded me of the Big Short in that sense. Um yeah. and I I too really loved it. The way it was sharp, the colour palette it's dealing in, which is quite kind of Beige and stock, and it yeah. just does so much of the lifting in terms of, you know, these these are part of the systemic problems that led to what we know, as you say, is coming. And because you know what's coming, everything is loaded with so much more significance. Yeah. Um, as you said, I mean, Daniel skarsgard solberg Thorbjörn, they're all. At the absolute top of their game Bill Camp for me is really yeah, like lovely. Just yeah. remarkable in this um, The You could Argue that not all of the female Characters are you know necessarily Mm. given a huge amount to do, especially, you know, O'Neill's wife and mistresses and they're kind of a homogenised group of it also uh, partly
0: speaks to the institutions which are so dominated by men.
2: And I, I do think I always think you if that was really if women were marginalized and on the outskirts and never really given fully defined roles in those worlds and probably in their own relationships then Mm. that is really what should be represented because that is the authenticity you're talking about right also
0: they're all fucking up so it's just men fucking up so that's fine
2: and and you mentioned Boyd, I think, Rahim, um, yeah. as um, Ali Sufan and just incredible yeah. and it feels like um there is kind of pr- he's what one of like eight Arab speaker Arabic speakers yes. in the entire yeah.
0: They make a point of that, don't yeah, they? How many people incredible. in the FBI speak incredible. Arabic? It's like eight yeah. eight <laughs> thousands Eight. In-
2: thousands of And yeah. I thought it was done ri- it wasn't kind of incredibly heavy handed. They they let the story tell itself and people hang themselves essentially because Mm -hmm. you do see this infighting and this bickering and you've, and this kind of, these power plays and this ultimately willy waving that, you know, (laughs) helps to contribute to one of the worst atrocities in, in history. I loved it. I was worried. I was like, will it be too dense? Will it? But I, the... Mm. The pacing of the screenplay, I think, Mm. is remarkable. Mm. That writing just powers you on and powers you on and powers you on. It's a
0: fascinating history lesson, but I think also it shows into such start relief how much the world has changed Mm -hmm. since that time. Do you know I mean, like we take for granted the kind of climate of the world that we live in, and how you know, like they're, they're so dismissive of a lot of the stuff that now would be taken so seriously. And it just shows you, like, it, it changed everything. It's changed culture. It changed the way we think. Mm. I mean, it, it's prompted like huge waves of sort of like you know racial prejudice and Islamophobia, mm. which to a certain extent I won't say didn't exist, but it was nowhere near right. then what it is now. Yeah. Um. And it's just yeah, it makes you realise that 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 really was a, a watershed moment in terms of of geo political stuff. It was
1: interesting what you were saying because it, so it's on BBC2 it right? and, and it's taken a long time to arrive. Um, it's a, been looming a, for a year. year. A year. But I have to say kudos to BBC2 because they're doing this now. They, they they are acquiring more and more. They've got to deal with um, FX So mm. Poses on at the moment which I'm still loving um, yeah. by the way. is a great show. This I think what they're doing is they're very carefully selecting proper quality, innovative, well-made American drama series that people... And remember, we assume that everyone's got access to Amazon Prime and, and all these things and Netflix, but some, a mm. lot of people don't true. still. And particularly more and more, as more of them arrive, as Disney Plus arrives and Apple Plus I think it's been more and more important that the BBC actually yeah. buy some of the best yeah. of these shows and shows them because they this is going to get more viewers. It will get like a couple of million viewers oh, yeah. on Friday night on BBC Two, which is immediately more than most stuff that you know is on. I'm guessing Amazon and Netflix. Mm. So I think it's a really good service. You know,
0: what would have made it better though. What Ted Hastings?
1: That's
2: true. No, quite. That is true.
0: That is the Looming Tower, which debuts on Friday, the 26th, on BBC Two at 9:30 pm M. Lastly this week, we have Sky One's Jamestown, which, from the title, I'm guessing is about British yeah. colonies in the <laughs> Americas. I mean, I haven't watched it, and neither has Terry, uh, so I couldn't really tell you. I mean, it could literally be about the road I grew up on. Is it, Boyd?
1: It's about, in, in the near future, a group of <laughs> dire devotees set up a community worship. That sounds amazing. It's tall bald nerd james dyer <laughs> this is extraordinary and they call it jamestown in honor of you and oh, no
0: so it's, it's like the episode of firefly jamestown
1: <laughs> firefly Jam- yeah it is if only i mean i'm gonna i am gonna pitch that at some point to sky you should as an idea i unfortunately to technical reasons yeah neither of you could watch this I mean, I,
0: technical reasons we we didn't have I mean, time you could be bothered be I, couldn't, I did yeah terry would in. have done it because she couldn't <laughs> I, get in i couldn't
2: get in because All i I'd say technically is technically
0: lazy
1: All I'd say about this show is it's it's one of Sky One's biggest hits I know of recent times. Wow, that's damning with faint praise. (sighs) Easy, it's easy there, (laughs) Tiger. It's, it's um, a, a high budget historical drama. It's set in the 17th century when the first um, English settlers arrived in the New World in America to establish the, the place and the, the first series was all about how all the all the men had arrived and women weren't even allowed there at all and then they ship in women to arrive because they do need, they realise they need to procreate and, and keep this settlement going in the future. So that was one of the big themes of it. It's got quite a feminist tone to it in that way and in the end the women are often, often take over and are the ones with who know what to do properly and they're the ones that sort of out what's going to happen in their communities, and there are also more and more. There's a, a focus on the Native Americans, particularly on the Pamunkey, who are the tribe that are there. And there's a very interesting storyline, particularly in this third series, where one of the characters, Silas, who's one of the white guy, one of is is banished for various reasons, and he ends up joining up with the Pamunkey, and that's an interesting um, development. All I'd say is it's better than you think it's going to be, James. <laughs> it's on. It's it's um it's quite soapy in a way. It's a little bit like Downton Abbey in setting the second one. know? Yes, it is. You lie, I, love you. I, loved, like I know Jones you love Downton. It is. I don't because it deals with the posh rich people that are there and it deals your with your people your people the the, the rich Moggs. Yeah. and it deals <laughs> with the native americans and the people who are exploited and the, and the and the slaves and all of that so it's got a definite kind of it's looking at the different strata of society and it's got quite a soapy compelling storylines lots of illicit relationships and stuff like that and it's really really well made it's very it's it's, it's big budget it's pretty it's well filmed so that's i like it as a show it's good. And this is the third and final series and people who have watched it will enjoy it. And if you haven't, it might be worth giving it a go. That's all I'll say.
0: All right. All and right. it also
1: starts on Friday the 26th of April. I
0: know. It also starts at 9pm. Yes. So you can't watch that and Looming Tower. You'll have to choose because it's not like there's any way to, I don't know, record something to watch it later. Exactly. <laughs> so that was Jamestown. Um, I would also like to point out, I'd like to give a big old shout out to Amazon Prime's Bosch, which you lot oh, deliberately yeah. didn't review on last week's yep. podcast, despite yeah. it being absolutely awesome. Uh, and it will have dropped on Friday by the time we go out. I haven't seen it yet, but I am absolutely certain it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Love oh, you know. though. Yes, Bosch is brilliant. No, I like Bosch. Love a bit of Bosch. what Why, come boy, defend yourself? Why wasn't it on the line? you know
1: what? Um, uh, they didn't send me the links, first of all, if you really want the boring technical no, background detail. And uh, that's one of the main reasons. And also, it's the fifth season. And we had a lot yeah, of we stuff to Yeah, we were like, do. it's the
2: fifth season. Yeah. Like, what's you, the point? You could put in
0: the time. You could watch the other four and then, you know... Get into a bit of bosh.
2: Bit of bosh. Get bish, into bish a bit of bosh. Bish, bosh, bosh. <laughs> b- oh. oh. Right.
0: So <laughs> if we were to have a pick of the week, what's your pick of the week?
2: Uh, chambers.
1: Definitely, Chambers. It's, it's, it's excellent. Yeah. Looming Tower is great.
2: Looming is great. But
1: Chambers is new,
0: is brand new and shiny.
2: Exciting. And, and
1: exciting,
0: yeah. The correct answer is and will be for the next few months or weeks, I should say, Game of Thrones. Um,
1: we haven't what? seen it yet! Just doofus. <laughs> Although we're about to look at the episode two.
0: Aren't we? No, no, not just yet. That's going to okay. come at the end. It's going to come at the end. Yeah. come at the end. Um, We should banshee before we get on to Game of Thrones, before we get into the the Thrones segment. Should we banshee? Terry, why don't you banshee first? So I I love the way also last week that you you explained what banshee was. I think we should probably do that more for people who joined the podcast. Yeah, good service for the presenter. Yes. Banshee being, of course, our segment where we look at a show from, you know, the past that we recommend.
2: I would like to banshee Drop the Dead Donkey. Oh, nice. James, please tell me you've heard of this show.
0: I've, I've heard of this show. Um,
2: have you ever watched this show? No. Oh, my God. Okay, so it is set in a fictional newsroom, which has been taken over by what you're meant to think is a Rupert Murdoch-esque character. It's part sitcom, part topical satire... Um, does all of those things that actually Brilliant Comedies went on to do Like The Office Which is, it looks at those workplace tensions Workplace relationships There's all those kind of seam um, ra- um, of humour That comes from being um, in an office with people For however many hours a day uh, And actually an incredible cast So you had um, Stephen Tomkinson um, Susanna Doyle Hermione Norris um, Robert Duncan Neil Pearson, am I missing anyone? I'm not the main ones, yeah. But essentially, a, a like crop of amazing British comedic actors. And it was also really, because it, it was the 90s, right? So it, there was loads of topical stuff going on in terms of, I remember there was a whole bit about how you deal with Northern Ireland yeah. in the newsroom. Um, and I remember that I um, used to watch it and I thought that's what being a journalist was like. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be in like, do- drop the dead donkey. It isn't like drop the dead donkey. I have to say. Um, Why but... is it called
1: drop the dead donkey? Because like Wait. the, the like, drop the story of the dead donkey. Like that's the, that'll be the last story. You know, on news at ten. The, the jokey silly. The cat up the tree. Yeah. So drop the dead donkey story. So if oh, like an, one,
2: and now yeah. a dog who yeah. looks just like its owner. Yeah. yeah. Imagine okay. you're no? a dog that looked like you. Still don't like understand.
1: You. No. Okay. You know, like
2: the do- like you. It's a weird observational little thing.
1: I don't watch like the like news. This, oh, this, you don't watch the news? Well, oh, no, I, I'm, like, I'm digital You've never like, watched the I'll news. I get it online, yo. Right, there's a tradition at the end of the news, which probably I don't do as much now, where they have a cute no, little story about an animal.
2: Little, like, yeah. Yeah.
1: I've never so seen it would be like, thing.
2: oh, my God, this person bought a dog and it turns out it looks just <laughs> right. like Goebbels. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. For example. Yeah. So, anyway, um, incredible kind of writers and filmmakers behind it. So, um, the guys who'd done Spitting Image, um, Not the Nine O'Clock News, et cetera, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So, and it was that kind of um, humour that wasn't particularly broad, um, was often, like, super dark, um, dead funny, really topical, and I think it just laid the groundwork for so much amazing mm. British stuff that came. Um, so, I Would Like to Banshee, Drop the Dead Donkey, and James... How about you watch an episode for next
0: week? No, I can't. I've got to watch Pulling for next week. We've well, Pulling's this.
2: only 30 minutes, so how about, how about... dominate that
0: segment forever, <laughs> you but know. Well, how
2: about... Oh, no, I don't know if this will make you laugh, but... um, uh... Oh, just
0: watch it? Yeah. All right, I might just be able to do that. Watch... We'll see. Just
2: watch it. The pulling's only 30 minutes.
0: I'll see if I can I'll see if I can find another 30 minutes. I would like it I would like it stated for record, that I gave you my full attention and listened all the way through that, which is something you have never done while I have bansheed anything. I'm sorry, what? Boyd! <laughs> Um, Britannia.
2: Oh, what?
1: This is what? a
0: recent. Ba- Hang on. Country. What? What are you doing? What? First of all, yeah. first of all, it's like it's it's like not only recent like the second season's on relatively soon well
1: isn't that's it? why I'm bansheeing it because I still think it's a show that a lot of people won't have watched that's, that's the point of banshee I, I
2: remember re- yeah. you're, you're bending the rules as much as that one
1: does I'm bending it a little bit but I just but, but I did see the trailer for season two this week but I do think it's a show that has have either of you watched
2: it are you mates with Is this a, are you mates with Jez Butterworth
1: no I'm not mates with Jess Butterworth Boys. I'm a little bit mates with David Morris. <laughs> my concern
0: here is why you're bansheeing this because it's a really weird interesting show it is weird did I I love David Morrissey. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of this show, though. Okay, well... Why?
2: Why,
1: yeah.
0: I just, I just didn't enjoy That's it, uh, yeah. if I'm honest with you. I, like, I, <laughs> I, I just re- didn't enjoy it. That's not yeah. a good enough reason. No, I mean, I just... I'm trying to be diplomatic. Okay. Um, why didn't I like... It was weird, though, wasn't it? It's it is weird. weird. Bizarre... It's because you've got Mackenzie Crook as like a weird, yes. woaded yeah. druid. Right. Uh, and it's, uh, it's got Kelly Riley in it. and it's yes. Yeah. It's, it's a slightly... But I think it, I couldn't quite pin down where it fell on the uh sort of game of thrones spartacus spectrum of kind of these sort of you know sword and sandal period drama things um i I just i found it hard to engage with like on the one hand like it's i don't know why i'm doing your banshee for you at this point i'm loving it but but i like this on the one hand like you had like really serious stuff you know you've got romans invading you know britain you've got druids you've got you know is it are are they picked are they celts i forget what they are um, Celts. Celts. Yeah, you got all that sort of going on and it's quite serious and it's quite, you know, gory, you know, presumably playing to the Thrones audience. But then you got this really weird sequence with. The Hermit and the two Roman legionaries, which feels like a sketch lifted from Monty Python. And I'm like, I don't, tonally, this is all over the shop.
1: Yes, I love, thank you for banching it for me. It is crazy and it is tonally all over the place, but I really, I thought it was just different and weird. And I'm intrigued to see what they do with season two. So am I. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, but, but yeah, I, don't, I like it. And I'm saying it's a valid banshee because it's, it's, it's getting off from like two years old now. So no, now it has fine. been a while, it's been a while between seasons it It's been a while. Seasons. But it's just, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a bit It is all over odd. the place. Oh, totally odd. That's why I'm banching it. Because it's odd. Because you think, oh, this is a historical drama about the invasion of you yeah. know, the Romans in conquesting Britain in 843, But it's fucking bizarre. It is bizarre. Can I
2: confess and... something? Yes. That when you first said it, the reason I had such a weird reaction is I thought you were talking about the Britus Empire. <laughs> 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 and I was like... I that don't is brilliant. Know what is happening. And then I just Googled it, and I realised it was, it was something different. Carry on. Yeah. So when you said David Morrissey, I was Isn't like, David, Morrissey, is David Morrissey and the British Empire.
0: Oh, my God. That's This, this has just been a great Banshee moment. It really it? has. Do you want to Banshee the British Empire really quickly, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> take it as a no. <laughs> oh I'm God. sorry,
2: continue. Why are
0: you Banshee? <laughs> See, I'm going to go on a big old monologue now about, uh, oh, about my particular Banshee, which is Millennium. Oh, okay. Yep, Yeah. 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 Do you know, can I just say, every banshee <laughs> I do, literally every about, elicits the same reaction from Boyd? You just go, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's my everything. Yeah. Uh, Terry's not listening. She's on the internet. So, Boyd, <laughs> this is entirely for your benefit. Uh, Millennium, which I really love, is uh, kind of a companion piece of The X Files. This is uh, Chris Carter's show, launched in 96. Um, it wasn't exactly a spin off The X Files. Does take place in the same universe, the X verse, whatever you want to call it. it so I'd Lance Henriksen as Frank Black named, incidentally, after the Pixies frontman. Uh, oh, in this. Oh. Uh, he's an ex-FBI agent who has become a kind of criminal consultant to the police. The twist, of course, being that, A, he has the, the sort of psychic ability to see into criminals' minds, and, B, he works for this sort of shadowy secret organisation called the Millennium Group. He's kind of on the periphery of it, and the yes. true nature of that group is actually part of the story of the show. Um, but it's, it's kind of shadowy cabal with tentacles reaching to corners of society. Sort of doomsday cult. I mean, the whole show is sort of built around that, uh, you know, that, that weird pre-millennial hysteria, you know, that, that spawned Y2K and all those people wandering around in sheets, wondering if Jesus was going to lift them (laughs) up to heaven the second the, the clock struck midnight. Um, the show ran for three seasons, and it was much, much darker than X Files. Like much darker. It had really, really nasty stuff in there. But it also had this that same. You know, like when the X Files goes quite wacky, and it has like Jose Chunks from outer space. Like the really, it had some of that in there. I very vaguely remember one episode where there's a pair of demons kind of shooting the shit over sort of a late night coffee, uh, in Seattle, which is kind of it's. it's you have to go with it. It's slightly surreal. But like, so the show started as a standard serial killer thing with a with a psychic twist, and it was really, really unpleasant. It got more supernatural in season two. Terry just <laughs> looking at it, rolled her eyes, and went back to her emails. Thank you, Terry <laughs> uh, and then, in the final year, it went a bit conspiracy now it's because like Carter pitched this show to Fox as seven in Seattle and it has a real fincheresque. Feel it's similarly nasty. The first season is almost unnecessarily nasty. Second season, Chris Carter fucks off to make the X Files movie, and the people who took over deliberately like toned down the gore. And then Carter comes back for the final season. Uh, it got cancelled. It got finished. There is, however, a kind of conclusion in season seven of the X Files. There is an episode called Millennium, which has uh, which has Frank Black in it. So there you go.
1: Anyway, I loved it. I you know, fact- I'm going to shock you here because I watched it at the time. Did and you? I loved it as well. Yes, it was great, um, wasn't it? And um, you're absolutely right. Because Seven is one of is in my you know one of all time favourites. Yeah. So it was literally Seven. Yeah, it was at, that. <laughs> so yeah. it looked it was like seven, seven the seven. series. It looked like series. it, felt like it was. So I was wondering what did David Fincher think of this thing? Yeah. Um, but it, what I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so I I'm really, really love. Fully, th- I'm fully supporting your band.
0: The music. Do you remember the theme? The theme was really good. String heavy. It was Mark Snow again who did the x parts, but it was really, really good theme music. I remember Totsy was being like red. Things and yeah, things, and it was yeah. the big, the Ouroboros was the symbol yes. of the show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but what, what, it got really silly towards the end because as they approached the actual millennium and right. they realized this show has nowhere to go after we hit <laughs> the year 2000, <laughs> Amazing. they started trying to wreck on the mythology. And then there were now two factions in the millennium group. There were the roosters who thought it was about to be the dawn of the millennium, and there were the owls who still thought it was the middle of the night. And they were basically saying, well, actually, I think you i the new millennium in on a certain, like, jainism calendar is many many years away anyway got cancelled of that really mattered so it died but Do you uh, think it was
1: better than the lone gunman
0: yes much yeah, much better sort of than right. the lone gunman yeah. Yeah. i preferred it to x-files actually at the time like, i loved it Whoa. when it when it first came on okay but i think a lot of people found it quite oppressive and miserable but you know that is my jam sometimes of course. anyway you can pick up all three three seasons of millennium four 12 pounds uh, on the cx thing CX. twelve pounds sexy time <laughs>
2: In, this, in the, in the CDXE. We had shop. a big
0: old, we had a big old Twitter fight about this. Terry, you mm. were involved in this. One of our already said, I oh, think It's not called Computer Exchange. It is called Complete Entertainment Exchange. Thank you very much. To which I pointed out, no, no, I think. You'll find it launched in the 90s on Tottenham Court Road as Computer Exchange, and then rebranded when they branched out into entertainment in their latter years. And Charlie Brooker used to work in the first branch of the uh, branch of the store. Did you know that, Boyd? Yeah, Charlie Brooker worked at Computer then, Exchange.
1: Hey, into writing about computer games?
0: Yeah, stuff. Yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah.
2: Um, I enjoyed you splaining at each other. CEX splaining on Twitter. <laughs> I was yeah. very much enjoying yeah. that. Don't
0: bring a knife to a gunfight. That's all I'm going to say. Is that particular user? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Classic. That is Banshee. Um, before we go, though. Before we go, it is time to talk about the latest episode of Game of Thrones. We are going to do this every week while it is on. Uh, This is a new segment that I'm affectionately referring to as Here Be Dragons. (laughs) Uh, But before we spend the next ten minutes or so banging on about White Walkers and the like, we should mention that there will be talk of plot... And there will be slinging of spoilers. So if you've not yet seen the episode, either turn off the podcast now or or skip ahead to the time mentioned in the episode description, uh, lest you have the episode ruined for you. Okay, and without further ado, our discussion of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, A Night ...of the Seven Kingdoms. What do you think, Terry, as a, as a newly-fledged Thrones expert?
2: So can I just say, right, What I'm, what what is interesting is, as people who have listened to this podcast for a while know, I hadn't watched previous seasons of Game of Thrones. So this experience of watching it as a newbie, and I'm trying not to read too much of previous seasons, I'm trying to just enjoy it for what I see... Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you meet a boy and um, you, you kind of get to know his family and there's been a raging row going on in his family for like <laughs> 34 years and you're the newbie and you catch bits of it and like different people's versions of it. Watching Game of Thrones, having never seen it, is exactly like that. Um, So I'm picking things up. I fucking love this episode. I'm turning into a psychotic James (laughs) Dyer-esque Game of Thrones fan. I don't know if I've come in at a really golden couple of episodes. I know that there's arguably, from what I'm hearing, less sex and less fighting than there is normally. Apart from, obviously, that one fairly awkward sex scene this week. I, the character work, the dynamics, this was a feminist episode of Game of Thrones, let me tell you that, that is what I feel.
0: I, I love that you haven't seen it, because I think it's an interesting dynamic, you're coming to this with no clue what mm-hmm. is happening, which is good. Especially at this point where, which effectively, they're, they're bringing all the characters that
1: we've that have been developed over seven years of this show... And, you know, they're meticulously developing their histories, each of them, and they're bringing them all together, particularly mm. in this episode, yeah, or okay, any. Yeah. And there's loads of backstory, and there's loads of... Im- and and yet, yeah, you still loved it. Yeah. That is incredible. I uh, think it shows an, the incredible level of skill on their part. Of, they know these characters so well, and actually, they're so well written and performed that I think you know them, even if you haven't seen seven, seven years, years of them.
2: But well, without loads of exposition needed, yeah. because I... And I was suspicious. I was like, how can I really understand or even really track it? Because Game of Thrones is known. The little I did know was that it was known for being really complicated. Mm. Um, but I've, I think it's a really interesting way to watch it. I don't know if anyone else is watching it this way. I'd really like to hear from you if you are. You can join me in this one-woman mission. Um, but I said to my boyfriend this weekend, I'm enjoying it so much for something I know so little about. But it is like being dropped into the middle of a row and going <laughs> um, and trying to pick sides. You don't know all the stuff that got you here and it's a really really interesting way to watch Talia, i have to say
0: just picking up on what you said before about being a, a feminist episode i imagine a lot of that is led by there's a couple of scenes there's the aria scene with her and gendry where she's and there's it's a very interesting from a character point mm-hmm. that was a quote unquote controversial scene on the internet
2: why uh because p- she's used to be
0: yeah mainly because when she joined the show or when she first appears in it she's like 10 or something yeah. and now you're seeing a bum and a bit of side boob and it's a bit like oh <laughs> upsetting upsetting
2: girls grow up to be women yeah. spoiler exactly. yeah. exactly.
0: but it's, it's telling that on the HBO account they made a, a tweet the day before just saying apropos of nothing oh things you can do in Game of Thrones once you're 18 and loads of stuff that aren't just to sort of say hey guys guys she's not underage oh, it's God. not weird it's not weird oh, because obviously God. time is
1: a little bit fluid in Game of Thrones but I also think he he was you could see his face he was trying to work it out He was like how old is she in this, because he's known her for years. She, Gendry, yeah. She was,
2: I was she it, how was, old is she? More like, I thought he was, uh, again, knowing nothing. She'd clearly changed fundamentally. Yeah. Oh, and that's true. And as I, well. read, yeah. I read something that said, oh, she used to be, actually said, oh, I don't like this new stuck up version of her. She used to be witty and give one liners. And, and I think she has become, from what I can tell, a warrior. Yeah. The way she went, there's that line where she says, death has many faces. I can't wait to see... It's
0: a reference to the many-faced god.
2: There you go. I can't wait to see first splain of the uh, morning. Yeah. Yeah. I, can't, many. I, lo- I look forward to seeing this one. Mm. And I just think the power and control... She- I'm sorry she's not doing fucking stand-up, but I think she- <laughs> yeah. they're trying to signify that she has become a warrior. Mm. She takes control in the sex scene. That's the bit that felt slightly unrealistic. The first time you have sex, I'm sorry, it's shit. And as a woman, all you can think of it's gonna hurt and I'm gonna bleed everywhere. I know it's a James, I know, I'm sorry. I know I'm it's a ten- These are
0: the harsh reality. I know that
2: bit was the bit that felt a bit unrealistic to me. And the sex scene is and whether there was a bit of kind of false bravado in there.
0: I think I think because of what she's been through, like this is just absolutely nothing. Like she has literally been stabbed through the gut. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. been through how she's murdered a shitload of people. I think it's interesting her coming into her not so much her womanhood, but her humanity in this that yeah. she has spent so long on this single-minded mission to become a killer, to kill these people. She's never thought about what it is to be human, and to sort of tap into the emotional side of herself. Not to be a woman. And yeah, and to, to understand that actually she is a woman now and she's not just a weapon. I mm. thought that was a nice, a nice bit of humanising because mm. you see the sort of the hard edge of her earlier on when Gendry doesn't take her seriously when she's asking for a weapon yes. and she's like oh, by the way, I could fuck your yes. shit up and she throws those knives into the post yeah. and he's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, just, I'll get right on that.
2: I thought that sexual tension, I have to say, was incredible. Which is, which is all. Bear in
0: mind when he first met her: a, she was ten, and b, he thought she was a boy. Just saying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But I agree. What's interesting is that any in the in the kind of bigger context, any sex scene now. I mean, obviously, she is a young woman, and Maisie Maisie Williams is what 22, 22 in yeah. real life. And I noticed as well there are quite a lot of post match interviews, so to speak, <laughs> where she's made it very clear that they said to you, you, "Can do whatever you want in the scene. You can show as little or as m- more, much of you want, of your body." So she, yeah. they made sure she was absolutely mm. judged quite rightly. But I do showing feel, how far they've come since season one. Oh, well, indeed, well, yeah. yeah. I do feel now that any sex scene and a major piece of pop culture is analyzed and pulled apart in a slightly puritanical way like obviously you have to be careful with these things but for example i don't know like last week there was a scene in which what's his name had a th- had yeah. three women surrounded by and that was completely gratuitous boobage throughout yeah, that whole was. scene and like people kind of went no, oh, that's just classic Game of thrones but still there were a lot of people complaining about it and i th- and i thought i don't know if i i i feel like I'm I'm not starting to sound slightly like a one of those right wing people who complains <laughs> about you know it's all gone to shit, but I feel like you can overthink these things and over every single moment or of, particularly of a sexy. And I thought I I think, you know, this was absolutely fine. I thought it was great. In fact, I think it was a feminist.
2: It was, moment. Yeah. but and I know what you're saying, because I I think there is a instant reaction to kind of scrutinize it, but I think when you've had Generations of women being exploited and demeaned yeah. and made to look and feel like meat on screen. If everybody takes a little bit more care and attention, then I don't think that's oh necessarily sure absolutely badly. yeah yeah. Boys, I
0: agree. <laughs> You're right, Boyd. The other <laughs> right
2: wing Boyd. Yeah, totally. Piers. I've got right you're wing.
0: Right you're wing. The me is Morgan. Piers. Yeah, Monday yeah. yeah.
2: morning. Right Someone's wing. Gotta Boyd. Someone's got to
0: be. Um, the other feminist scene I quite liked uh, was when Daenerys sits down with Sansa, encounters he her in her room. Amazing. Yeah. And I just thought it's so lovely Amazing. to see these two characters existing not just as the person John is shagging and John's sister but as characters with their own agency in their own right and the complex relationship between yep. these two women because you've got one who is essentially the Queen the other who is the Lady of Winterfell yep. and they're conflicting jurisdictions they're conflicting histories so much going on there and obviously it ends in a very prickly way as well
2: and again you've got I always think you've got to be careful because the inclination to show women as, as violent enemies has got a long and storied it history has. but the delicacy this, this scene was happening with, I actually think Sophie Turner and Amelia Clark did an amazing mm, job. Yeah. The nuance in this scene, yeah. and there was a lot of kneeage in this scene. The second TV show, this, this <laughs> TV series this year, with a lot of knee. And obviously, the turning point was when she said, You know, when she asks about the throne, she said, I will, we, we mm. said we would never bend the knee again. Yeah. And that power struggle still being at the heart of it, and the fact that she'd start to soften. Because of John, because of the love for her brother, but fundamentally yeah. they're both still compelled by power, Amelia Clarke, mm. in a very different way. But that I thought the complexity and nuance pulled out between those two women in a relatively short scene with sparse dialogue was done extraordinarily well. Mm,
0: very, extraordinarily very good. well. It's also the weight of Sansa's history, like the amount, it's, it's funny. You'll see this when you go back if you watch it from the beginning. She started off as this very pampered, privileged, spoiled little rich girl. And then she went through absolute hell, probably more than any other character except maybe Theon. Um, And then obviously she's she's come so far and she's in this Mm. place now where she's just taking no shit from anyone, dragons or no dragons. Well, they
1: also made that Theon at her um, reunion so brilliant. Interesting scene, wasn't it? Because
0: Theon has a lot of baggage there because he's done some shit to the people up there. Indeed. And, you know he was it's an interesting like the way I wasn't sure how she was going to react to his return and actually I was quite taken aback when she throws her arms around him and it's really tender and it's sort of lovely this is the guy who betrayed them and he was witness to the worst things right. when she's raped he's yeah. standing in yes. the room you know like oh, he's famously,
1: famously in that scene they focused
0: on him rather than her yeah, yeah. It was a very reaction. controversial absolutely oh. Oh. horrific yeah. scene yeah um. uh, but obviously he's also the one who liberated her from yeah. it he's the one who rescued her so
2: but did, um, I thought it was really important where that came so obviously they're interrupted in the middle middle of this kind of pitched battle yes. between these two women this psychological kind of warfare yeah. they break that to go out and she's they're both kind of got this armor on again and the fact that they allowed her to break that and kind of have this moment of extreme tenderness mm. right after that mm. again just allowing these women to be properly complex and you know whether I'm, I think my one issue maybe we'll get to it, is Amelia Clark and kind of how she's being drawn obviously mm. I don't know a huge amount about her backstory but she at the moment is coming across much more kind of uh, two-dimensional
0: she was uh, she was unnecessarily stroppy in this episode yes. like all that stuff with Tyrion I thought was slightly ill- judged yeah it was just like but she's always been snotty though oh and she's been has,
1: a major but... characteristic she's got an incredible sense of her own um regal and uh, her, and her own power and she that seems to be entitlement. her title <laughs> yeah. 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 right yeah, entitlement, entitlement. Right. yeah. Um, whereas I don't think for example Sansa has so no, I think that, that contrast mm. and then you've got Cersei you know who we didn't see anything in this episode but you know the ultimate kind of power ruthlessness yeah. so i think there are levels i think that's yeah. quite clear there are levels of of among all of these women of how how obsessed they are with the power and she's always been absolutely ruthless and, and haughty and, and of all of those things so mm-hmm. I felt, felt right she, I don't think they can just suddenly
0: discard all of that from it her it just it seemed unnecessarily pissy with him <laughs> yeah. like he's she actually is, been though. very useful to her like of all things just, like really don't it's out of his
2: petty yeah. it's like you've got this you know this yeah. huge thing You're it's yeah. like the apocalypse is coming over the hill and I'm gonna <laughs> like like be really pissed off with you for like knocking my cup of tea over it just seemed ridiculously yeah. petty for a queen oh yeah. completely
1: but I think everyone's going oh come on Danny, don't be like that but that's I think that's but completely
0: right dr- the opportunity to come yeah. in and be peacemaker and yeah. be the bigger man which was nice yeah. but Danny was an interesting one so we talked a bit about her privilege but that privilege kind of gets knocked and taken away at the end when she finds out that actually <laughs> she's not the heir at all and she's got a potential problem there Can
2: I just tell you that the best thing about this episode was Jon Snow trying to ghost her and <laughs> yeah. what's, what's the best bit is you can't ghost somebody in a fucking castle because there's no getting out so he was literally like running around hiding in corners I was like she's gonna find you
0: The irony of course is that Jon Snow's wolf is called Ghost and you Ah. see him in this episode, Ghost Watch, you see one shot where you see, just to let us know that Ghost is still there even if they don't really have the budget to have him around much. Hey, look, he's still (laughs) got a wolf. I don't know what he so doing Why most did he do
1: budget for, for, for ghosts? Ghosts well, they real stopped, dog. Because, No,
0: he was. Uh, they used to, I think he was a real dog in that scene. But when they got bigger, they started CGIing them, oh, which is okay. when they started to disappear uh, a bit because they started think to become an expensive budget. effect shot. Yeah, that was that was nice. But yeah, to see so we do get a bit, but I guess. But yes, I love that he's hiding in the crypts. Yeah. So that I'll fucking Thank find you. Him.
2: But her reaction, right? It was it was that thing of instead of going, "Oh shit, I fucked my nephew," yeah. she's like, "And that would make you the yes. last male heir to the throne, and her power is challenged in such a fundamental way." Yeah,
1: that's the thing. She's bothered about.
2: And yeah. As a human being, wouldn't your vagina just contract up inside your body and you go, ooh, ooh, ooh? No, this is because Game of
0: Thrones. This is, this is like oh, yeah. inter- also, central. Targaryens famously <laughs> wed brother to sister yeah. all the time. Oh, so they're, okay. They're, they're properly incestuous. Yeah. No, she oh, doesn't fine, care. Okay. She's fine. She's fine with she may her. be creepy, Auntie Danny, but yeah. she doesn't care. Yeah,
1: and and she's so driven by the power thing. That's the thing yeah. that she's completely yeah. thrown by. And I thought that scene, I, I love the timing of it. I love so the timing of last week that he found out mm. at the end, and then the timing this week that she finds out at the end, just before the. A huge gigantic battle of all battles <laughs> yes. which is all about can any of them survive and how are they gonna mm. what are they gonna do at the end of it I thought that was so interesting they kept people kept asking themselves so what happens afterwards whether if yeah. we' all live
0: if we actually well, survive this thing that was it this whole episode well, you was, assume
2: there will be could after. have been
0: called this episode could have been called last night on earth do you know what I mean like yeah. it felt like it was everyone's Absolutely. last night they were all expecting to die yeah,
1: which I loved and that's why yeah, I, yeah. so there are people I've seen in the reaction I was watching the reaction and I I tweeted you know, Pompously and re, re, pompously reading out my, my own tweets, but I tweeted. I generally, prefer, I love the episodes of Game of Thrones where, where it's just people talking. Mm, I, so I'm not I. a fan. I, I love the battle sequences are incredible. Next week will be, uh, I'm sure, one of the most incredible TV se- things mm. ever. Yeah. But this is what it's all about for me. These characters, them sitting around the fire, yeah. that scene, as you say, all of this last night on Earth stuff. I loved all that, and I felt it so. And it is fan service, so people complained it's fan service that giving the fans what they want. What
2: does fans
1: owe? Oh. So it means like you know the creator. Oh the god, greatest- god!
2: forbid. Right. God, exactly.
1: Yeah. A god forbid exactly. Yeah. And B they're saying you know that back in the day the show was all about people didn't just say what was on their mind. There was more you know people. It, it's all it's all getting a bit kind of obvious if you like. Mm. But I thought. Feel- I feel it make all makes sense because on the eve of battle, when you think you might gonna die, you this is what you would do: you'd go get pissed in front of the fire <laughs> and kind of thrush out your differences and your histories. And yeah. I thought, and I love that about. So this is one of my favourite episodes ever. For, for really? Wow. Absolutely. I thought every minute of it was so brilliant. A brilliant deep. It's all about character and exploring all their
0: interrelationships. I love all that stuff. I like, agree with you,
2: uh, but but well,
0: there's a but. The only thing I would say is I think there's a like it was a very good episode and it's exactly what i wanted which is spending time with these characters as they spend time with each other and the various reunions which we began in the first episode winterfell yeah. and this is essentially the second part of that isn't it sure. you could have bundled these together as a single episode quite yeah. happily yeah. um but it lacks some of the elegance i think that it had when they were drawing on george r r martin's source material specifically in terms of the character interplay like he did like that like no one else did and i think it's no surprise that when they ran out of you know road with the books it became more plot-driven and less character-driven because they don't have his character work to draw sure. upon. So you you get a lot of talk about, oh, Tyrion's terribly clever. Tyrion's very clever. And Tyrion goes, I'm very clever. Yet when Martin was doing it, you'd have had none of that. He would have demonstrated that he was clever and his dialogue would have been absolutely exquisite mm. because Martin did that really well. So he wouldn't need to tell you, he'd have shown you. And I think, again, in this with the character interplay, it works... But it's not, it doesn't have the layers that I think I've come to expect.
1: My feeling is, I, I know what you're saying, like, that, and you, you've exactly crystallised what people are saying. Yeah, mm. they're saying that because it's post-George R. Martin source material, that people are saying what's on their mind outright rather than, you know, rather than not saying Partly what's on for their time, mind. time, I think,
0: at this point. But, but- <laughs> I
1: but I, for me, this is the final act. Yeah. And it, for me, that, I, I know, like, so as a critic, almost like, yeah, I know I shouldn't. I should I should be saying that and I should think that that it's that the people are saying what's on their mind and it's all very kind of obvious and you're right it's not particularly layered and subtle but on the other end I think I prefer it this way right now in the history of the show. I prefer... So the Brienne of Tarth scene, the knighting of Brienne, yeah. I thought was so moving and brilliant. And I know there was a fucking song in it and everything. <laughs> and it was like clan It went all clan all of a sudden. <laughs> but I actually loved it. That and I'm is like, the, on uh, That verge is the song of tears. Jenny
0: of Oldstones, which right. does appear so I'm not in A Storm of Swords. There you go. Yeah. But
1: I'm not going to pretend I wasn't unbelievably moved by it and found that whole scene brilliant. And I loved the little the character interplay. And I loved Tyrion wanted to get pissed, as he always does, at all these moments. Even though I probably, as a critic, should go, oh, actually, it's flawed and it was better when George R. Martin. I, the end, I think you've just got to go with no, your. I, I'm with how you. How you respond to something, haven't yeah. you? And uh, I, emotionally, I was emotionally. Saying, like, I loved
0: every second yeah. of this. But obviously, in retrospect, you mm. know. Uh, there are there are things that perhaps I missed about the earlier stuff. However, like, so you talk about that, the hearth scene, you know, that yeah. that's great. And I I like it because it was an interesting jumble of characters in there. I like the fact that you've got Jamie and Brienne, like, and their dynamic is an odd one because she's always had a thing for yeah. him. Yeah. And then as he comes back, you see there's there's definitely an affection and a fondness her. there. But yeah, totally. I started to think, because obviously she <laughs> is famously, you know, as a character, she is drawn as an unattractive person. I'm not saying that Gwendolyn Christie's unattractive, but as a character, she is... Mocked for the fact that she's unattractive, whereas he is celebrated for his good looks. So it was certainly from, from, yeah, indeed, indeed, you absolutely would. And um, so it's interesting to see that he's seeing beyond the flesh, and he sees into her heart. He sees her sort of her nobility and her character. And then, but then you've got the wild, the wild card, wildling, Tormund Giantsbane, who frankly just wants to bear her. Yeah hairy seven-foot children.
2: Well, look, here's... Right, so here's a couple of things about that scene. That was my favourite scene in the whole thing. Yes. And talking about my uh, first point, which was about feminism, yeah. that was a feminist scene oh, fucking huge. through and through. Yeah. The, I was in tears at the end of that scene. Um, So, you know, the fact that, again, when he tells her to kneel, the fact that it went from that tone of kind of playfulness and joking... Um, but you can tell uh, her heart it comes from a place of pain this is what she's always wanted yeah yeah. and there are people who should probably have been the people to do it the fact that it's Jamie who does it for her Yeah. and that moment when she kneels in her face I just thought the way it was flushed and she was that you know she's staring fucking certain death probably Mm. you know just over the brow of the hill Yeah. and the pure joy and happiness and I just like was in floods of tears Mm. and that scene was done beautifully and it's interesting that some people didn't what you're saying is some people didn't like yeah. it. Or. Stupid people. Well, not I, stupid.
0: No, I'm, perhaps I'm being harsh. perhaps they were pointing out that canonically, to actually anoint a knight, they need to be anointed with these seven oils, <laughs> which she wasn't. So she's not <laughs> really anointed. I think people who are letting their slightly letting their critical factors get in the
1: way of what is a beautiful. So I, was, <laughs> oh, I, was, I beautiful. was also welling yeah. up. Oh, it's and and let's face it, Brienne of Tarth is one. Of, is is pretty is up there in your top 3 characters of the whole show yeah, she's for me. Great. She is incredible. Um, and and I think again she's gone through so much and to have and, and she's always uh, honor is her thing isn't it? Mm. She's obsessed with honor and being, you know, and this this is the peak this is peak of her life. This is probably the greatest thing oh, yeah, of her absolutely. life. And that was all there in her face. In the, and it was beautifully not, acted. And beautifully lit, acted. the way it
2: was lit, I mean, oh. I just thought it was... It was
1: fantastic. I thought
2: yeah. it was absolutely impeccable. Giant yeah. Giant's yeah. Bane. Giant's yeah. Bane? Yeah, Tormund. That story, I was Hilarious. on <laughs> yeah. the floor. And actually, I think the episode needed that bit of comic <laughs> yeah. relief cutting through it. And the looks it.
0: they give each other when he's drinking out of that horn. Yeah. They're yeah. like, what yeah. the, the, the breast, breast milk?" Yeah.
2: I recognise him. Um, was he in that My Best Friend's Wedding rip-off that wasn't My Best Friend's Wedding? Yeah. The one with McDreamy in it, anyway. But
0: What, made of Honour? Oh, I know yes. the one. Here. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> was he sure a Maid, Maid of, of I don't know.
2: Honor. Um, I just thought he was amazing. Like, to be able to drop that bit of comedy in it's the Christopher, middle.
0: Christopher,
1: how do you pronounce it? Christopher Heavey?
2: Christopher <laughs> Heavey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Silent J, I yeah. think.
0: Yeah. The problem, the problem with that scene though, is that you're like, oh my god, Jamie and Brienne, but that gets in the way of the Tormund Brienne shippers because, frankly, you know, those two are made for each other.
1: That's what when you say that this is supposed to be unattractive. You mean, you mean,
0: so she's, she's so lusted the, over by at least two. Yes, but the, she's like, the, 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 she's called Brienne the Beauty, and it's meant ironically.
1: Like, oh, and certainly in the but book. She's she a is. Big... She's right. not supposed to be attractive awful. at all. Right, it's because men are, right. Exactly. It's more a comment on men can't deal with this big, powerful...
2: If you look at her, her the way her hair and makeup is compared to the other actors...
0: Extreme and half. she hasn't
2: even got her eyebrows done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like right, Literally, right. it's all yeah. stripped off. And her physicality is her thing. Yeah. And as you were saying about honour being the thing, mm. such a male attribute, right? Yes. The way she yeah. carries herself. She carries yes. herself like a soldier. Yeah. Yeah. They, like they do warrior. their best to
0: make her unattractive. It doesn't really work, but... <laughs> she's amazing. What? She
2: looks incredible. Yeah. She's, she does, her sure.
1: whole history in the show is teaching all the men that encounter her that she's better than them. Yeah. My and like, she always like, succeeds. And she always succeeds. Mm, mm. And he, and you say that the comedy of him, of, of of the story of the breast milk and all of that. Which he's trying which, to impress her with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. But just that to- man- managing those tones, the comedy and the incredible power of that. This is what is brilliant about the show. One mm. of the things that's so brilliant about the show. So, again, I feel to come away from it kind of. Feeling that that so I saw people say it was a drab episode, not much happened episode because there's no action. I thought I like no, I can't disagree no, the more. Characters it characters so great. so and emotional. Seeing and so Tyrion and Podrick evil. together,
0: ah. seeing just that moment on the battlements when Arya and the Hound, where she sits down next to him, just like the weight of those characters' history just carries that whole. Yeah, scene. I didn't get
2: that. I didn't. That um, was the one scene I didn't understand because I didn't know what the and when she says, "Oh, I'm not going to spend my last." Day on Earth, and your grumpy gets. What annoyed me about that so (laughs) much?
0: I so wanted those two to have that scene. Then Beric, fucking you know, fifth wheel. Don Dondarian <laughs> wanders in. Uh, I do love the quote, though, when the hound's like, oh, for fuck's sake, might as well be at a bloody wedding. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: It's like, which is absolutely that true. That great. I also
1: thought um, Brian was brilliant in it as well. He's, always, like him He's saying always brilliant. His 10cc tribute, The Things We Do For Love,
0: was the great. Things yeah, we do yeah. For so that, love. incidentally, when he says that to him, <laughs> that's what Jamie says just before he throws him off a towel, which is how he gets paralysed. I got that.
2: And that, that scene between them, uh, The Goodswood, the I want to God'swood, it. I mean, that shot alone, um, it's a, first I had to stop myself going, hang on, how did he get there? Where's the person gone who pushed him there? But that I. There's a lot of that. There's locked, a lot of
1: him being left out left in, the, in places. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. sh- there's a, a shot of him just from yeah. behind, which is remarkable. And I thought that was done beautifully. That exchange where he goes, you know, what, what about afterwards? And he goes, who says there uh, will be? Yeah. I mean, I like how he says anything. Is he meant to be a sociopath?
0: Well, no, he's, he's a three-eyed raven. So he basically, oh. he has access to all knowledge. Yeah.
2: Including future knowledge?
0: Uh, no, it's past. So he has essentially the breadth and width of history. But he can't, he doesn't know it all, but he has access to it. So it's like, he described it when we, I spoke to Isaac Hamster to write about this. He said, it's like having on your Kindle every book ever written. I haven't read them all, but I've got them on my Kindle. So if you ask me about it, I can quickly read it. But I haven't necessarily got it in my head.
2: Right. So the thing is, his delivery just like scares the shit out of me. Mm. The things we do for love. Who says there will be an after war? Who the hell is that? <laughs> <Who the laughs> hell is that? <laughs> I love it. He scares yeah. the shit no, out
1: of me. It is but because he is like that, because he is the three hour rape, it's like yeah. a kind of cross between being human and being
0: something. So different. is he a bird? I mean, he's—he was—he was, like, he's he was a young world. boy, but he, yeah. he inherited the mantle of this yeah. sort of all-seeing. Can he seer. turn
2: into a bird? No,
0: but like. he can—he can sort of do other things, like he can. But he walk can't into walk, people. can he? No, he can't walk.
2: So if he was a bird, could he fly?
0: I mean. If he was a bird, which he isn't, he could probably <laughs> fly. Yes. So why
2: is he a three-eyed raven? He's called
0: the three-eyed raven because oh, it used oh, to appear. Oh. He used to have visions of a three-eyed raven, and when he met this seer, oh. the seer was called the three-eyed raven. Yeah, He's not a literal the- raven.
2: Oh, I'm glad you said the seer because do you know what else this episode reminded me of. Are you ready? This is England? <laughs> see, the finale of Charmed. So there's, oh one big, there's one big battle to save the planet. Yeah. And this really reminded me of that. And there was all this work being done before on the precipice of the battle. What I did love is, and it'll be interesting to see how they manage it next week. I loved, as Boyd said, that they were tackling all these emotional beats. So, and you felt like by the end of the episode, you felt like you were on the precipice. Like all business mm. had been dealt with and it was coming. Be interesting to see if it just becomes like a full-on battle or, do you know, are we done with any kind of, how do you handle that and what, what threads do you pull through and how do mm. you kind of deal with the dramatic beats when you're in the middle of a pitch mm. bloody war, for example. But yeah, I didn't mind the fact there was no action whatsoever. No,
0: I, I absolutely loved but it, yeah. it feels like, and I could be wrong, it feels like this, so we've had two episodes build up, then we're going to have an episode-long battle, Yeah. at which point we can assume that to one way or another they will deal with this because there's Cersei there's to deal with as well so there's yeah. another threat here yeah. which is in, arguably the more interesting yeah. one uh, which we kind of have to move on to, so we need to get the Night King out of the way. Well,
2: and I think without, I think the last two episodes have been all about emotional investment, and without investment, you don't have jeopardy, right? Without mm. jeopardy, you don't really care about the battle. But yeah, I'm, yeah, they,
1: they're about to kill off. I, I reckon yeah. they're about to kill off a good handful of oh, yeah. major. I mean, Brienne, I really feel but Brienne can't be long for this yeah. world. No, yet,
2: she's had a happy ending. I know. Once, like, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> upsetting, hot. but it's she's, true. There's going to be a massive body count next episode. <laughs> probably I think that's like five to say.
2: minutes in, I'm thinking. Yeah, you, know you I mean? might like, be right.
0: Yeah, yeah, we should have a we should have a bet.
1: We
2: should. Early death.
1: Oh, first, uh, first I'm upset major, just thinking about that. Ma- Can we have a shout out for someone like John Bradley? I think I loved his little moments as someone with, with, with John Snow, mm. you know, because that friendship is there. Oh, him, yeah, absolutely. And him wanting to be the brave, bold warrior but not, like, never quite actually no, no. being. stay in your lane uh, mate yeah. get in the crypt well, yeah. <laughs> I've
2: like, killed people yeah. I've killed loads so, of people
1: right it was so lovely and he's so brilliant at yeah, that. He's I think fantastic. I love his performance
0: but he liked my tweet so No, right. well there you go yeah, yeah. no he's he's very, very very good indeed I mean they felt like they were doing there was a bit of a it felt a bit like a roll call at, at class didn't it this one which is like oh there's gilly there's a bit of this yep, oh look it's there. Sir Davos Sir Davos's soup kitchen you know it's just trying to give everyone a little bit of a yeah. so they can all which check in before we kill them all absolutely um Grey Worm and Missandei, I felt, was the one bit that clunked for me. Because it felt like everyone was trying to cop off to one extent or another in this episode. Everyone's sort of like getting a bit flirty. Oh, yeah. And those two so oh, we're going to go off. We're going to go off to North and sit on a beach. Are you though? you're I just both thought... going to be dead within an episode. <laughs> yeah, I thought
2: they'd signed their death warrant at that point when they... Ca- oh, that totally. felt quite tagged on and, and yeah. I was thinking maybe it's because I don't understand their characters, but it was like, yeah, the whole fantasy scene means yeah. you're fucked. Yeah,
0: you're done. Yeah. Absolutely, without a shadow of yeah, a doubt. No, the one thing I will say and that I did miss, and I understand why she's not in it, but the lack of Cersei, yeah, yeah, completely understandable. I don't think they made a mistake there, but I do miss her when she's not
1: on screen. I, I totally agree with you, but and yeah, I have. I think I agree with the creative choice to not cut to her because it was that meant the focus was so solely on this whole on Winterfell and all of them gathering yeah. before the, the battle. So I think it was fine. She was hovering over it, wasn't it? There? there were a lot of references to her. Oh, everyone yeah. yeah, realized she she's betrayed large. them all, mm. and, and they fell, totally fell for <laughs> it. So. Her looming large
0: and not actually seeing, I thought that was totally right. Mm. So I'm yeah. absolutely fine with it. Yeah. It feels, I think the show at this point feels smaller in so many ways. And I think the title really? sequence really exemplifies this in that the title sequence is now really boiled down to just two locations. Because oh, that's all right. that's left, yeah. okay. and because everyone's now in one place, it is simpler and it's easier to follow. Whereas we're so used to Game of Thrones being this huge, sprawling, continent-spanning show where we're constantly leaping like hundreds of miles in either direction, thousands of miles across oceans, and now it's just we're going from one room to the yeah. next room to the we basement, never needed to, to
1: see dawn at, at all, did we really? No. But, no. So there are certain. It was, in a way, they kind of overdid that a little bit at certain points. And now, yeah, but I like. I don't. It doesn't feel. If, I know what you, geographically, it was yeah. more yeah. focused. Not not say. emotionally. If it feels focused yeah. on gathering. Everyone in this place for yes. this huge big battle, and that and that's what it's all been leading up to. But it doesn't feel smaller in terms
0: of the scope of the show. It still feels like an epic, both if it was intimate and epic at the same time. One other thing was like Tyrion sits down with Bran and says "Oh, can you tell me this long stories? I don't tell." Oh, if only we had a night yeah. to pass. And then in the next scene, he's one. having a drink in <laughs> another room. It's like that was a really quick anecdote, Bran. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah, but Bran's very good at telling these stories. Yeah, I reckon. He's all right He's a the storyteller. There yeah. was a line about the storytelling,
1: wasn't it? Whoever did that, which was literally like I felt it was George R. R. Martin hovering over it and saying, "This is all about." Storytelling,
0: people. <laughs> Brian Cogman, who wrote this episode, described it as a play, which I thought mm. was a pretty good description oh, of yeah. this. It. Yeah. So it felt very, yeah. very sort of theatrical in that way. Yeah. And I think and it plays that. And it, this, this is the calm before the storm, isn't it? So next episode, which is going to be the new battle for Winterfell, is going to be dragons, zombies, yeah. undead, yeah. direwolves, Valyrian it's, it's steel. It's directed
1: by that Miguel Sapochnik, who does all the big battle episodes. Yeah,
0: it's going to be yeah. absolute carnage. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. Yeah. it didn't, didn't it take them like took like four months to film. Or oh yeah, like it, like was, a, it was. i figure s- courageous way. undertaking, yeah. uh, But I wait. think that's the first of the. Uh, is it? Is it the first of the eighty minutes next week? Yeah, I think so. Is yes. it? Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's gonna be. It's gonna be a long, a long old one. Yeah, very much looking we'll forward to that. It was ambitious to say that we were gonna get through this in ten minutes, wasn't it? What have we done? More.
2: more than that it warranted it it warranted it
0: I'm saying that Uh, that concludes our Thrones chat for this week we'll be back to, to dissect episode three next week and that is it for another episode of the podcast, do join us next week for another Dragon packed installment. If you've finished the OA at this point, I can also heartily recommend our OA spoiler special, which peels back the interdimensional layers of that show very nicely. We're also hoping to do a spoiler special for Line of Duty, so do keep an eye out for that one as well. Uh, whether you're an Apple aficionado or not, do hop over to iTunes and give the podcast a five-star rating, and and we would be eternally grateful if you could sling us a vote or two in the Reader's Choice category of the British Podcast Awards, which you can find at britishpodcastawards.com slash vote. We'll be back next week with more dragons, more thrones, and more Ted Hastings, who I am officially nominating as the podcast spirit animal. Pilotel fella.